not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 82 of the podcast and this one is going to be interesting and I know I say that at the start of every podcast and then proceed to do exactly what I've done in the previous ones which is a tournament report, maybe a riddle in the dark, maybe delve into the email inbox to talk about questions that need answering uh, and obviously interview players and winners of tournaments, all that sort of stuff. Well this one is going to be exactly the same but we do have some extra bits and bobs going on because we're going to the Rings of Men in this tournament. Now the Rings of Men is a I think it's probably the third time this is featured on the podcast and we're going to be talking about the Rings of Men primarily because uh, it's it's a bit of a fluffy tournament so there's a uh, theme and exciting uh, variants to scenarios that are happening at the event uh, which is run by Will Champion at Seventh City Collectibles uh, it's a great it's a great event um, it's always uh, provided by uh, uh, it's, it's always provided really interesting armies to play against and people coming up with uh, fun ideas for armies so for instance in the past I, I played uh, Ryan Gregory at this event who had uh, an army built around Rusty uh, Rusty the Gundabad troll who had like uh, special rules for being rusty. Uh, I played against Matt Wielding, who had a an army built around the road to Rivendell, um, which was like Bombadil and uh, and the Hobbits and Bill the Pony and Gildor and all that sort of stuff. So there's loads and loads of cool themes usually uh, at these sort of events, and and I have a cool theme as well. And I'll be honest, uh, this is a cool theme that um, I didn't really come up with, um, but I did come up with the the sort of army that is built around it, which we'll hear about in a second. Um, but the, the core of what makes this an interesting episode and therefore, uh, uh, and well, it, you know, an interesting army is, is actually not from me. It's from Albert and Geordie, or depending on which way you look at it, Geordie and Albert from the Two Towers podcast. Now, uh, I, I think, I can't remember whether I spoke about them when they first issued um, their, their podcast or whether, I think we might have interviewed them or I was certainly interviewed by them. I can't remember the detail, but they certainly get in touch with the, uh, the podcast on a regular basis. So you might have heard the names mentioned here in the questions that need answering or the riddle section of the podcast. Uh, but essentially, Albert and Geordie, or Geordie and Albert, depending on which way you look at it, um, got in touch with me a while back saying they wanted to do a podcast similar to, to Entmoot, but in Australia. So they wanted to uh, interview players at tournaments and and also talk about the hobby at length um, in advance of, uh, of said interviews. And... Um, they asked me for my blessing, and of course, I was—I—I I, I don't own the the format to this podcast, so I said, "Well, yeah, of course, you can do that." I'd like all the more, the merrier for audio podcasts um, in the strategy battle game world. So that happened a while ago. I can't remember how many episodes um, they're on at the moment, but it's certainly a fair few numbers of uh, of podcasts. And they got in touch, or I think Albert or Geordie, again, doesn't know, don't know which, uh, got in touch with me saying. We've invented a profile for heroes of the Warhammer community in our area, you know, where they give, they give them out to various different people and they've printed and designed a model with the help of Medbury Miniatures uh, based, in, um, uh, based in Australia as well. Uh, shout out to Medbury Miniatures, I believe uh, a patron supporter of this podcast. Um, and essentially they, they, they've invented a profile called The Great Smith of Zirak Ziggle. And they said, 
We'd really like it if you had one of these. Uh, we want to send you one of these uh, miniatures in the post. Um, they, they 3D print them, and there's a metal sculpt of them as well. And they said, if you would like them, uh, we'll send you them in the post, and we'd love it if you ran it at a tournament. Of course, there are rules about homebrew profiles uh, in the UK uh, Great British Hobbit League. Most tournaments probably won't let them uh, go through, um, probably for balance reasons. They don't know whether you've they don't know whether you play tested it, etc., etc. But at tournaments like the Rings of Men, that's absolutely fine. So let's crack on and have a bit of a chat with Geordie and Albert to talk about the Great Smith before we build an army. Rah, rah, welcome, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having us, Harry. Just so people know uh, the sounds of your voice and who is who, um, just say, my name's Geordie and my name's Albert for us, and then uh, everyone could try and vaguely follow. Yeah, g'day team. Welcome to the Two Towers podcast. I'm Geordie. <laughs> and I'm Albert. And what a day it is to be here on Endmoot. This is some Inception stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so for people who don't know, um, I, I think I think we've I've talked about the Two Towns podcast uh, sort of on and off over the last year or so, or maybe a bit more um, since you started the podcast, and and you kind of requested you you sort of asked for my blessing when mm. when it when it began. Just tell me a little bit uh, first of all, and and you know whoever wants to dive in, Albert Jordy, um, just just explain what it is the uh, the Two Towns podcast. Albert, take it away. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> the the inception for this was uh, wanting to to start a podcast. We loved your format, um, Harry, but we didn't want to just Thanks. do a, a straight rip off. Uh, so we tried to come at it from a slightly different angle and focus more on the hobby. So um, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on the the kind of hobby journey in the lead up to the tournament. And then go through, um, you know, and track uh, Geordie's uh, meteoric rise and my, um, you know, my my pleb outings on the lower tables um, for the sake of balance. You know, getting getting both sides yeah. of the tournament, I think, is really important. And it is a great concept, isn't it, actually? Because, um, you know, I, I'm sort of mid-ranking tables, although I've had some dizzying heights recently. Yeah. Um, not quite tops, but, you know. Uh, uh, but it, it, it does work because, actually, tournaments aren't just about the you know the winners and the the top three it's it's about everyone having a great time well and we've even um evolved a little bit since we started which is terrific we've sort of grown to i don't i don't want to put us on too big a pedestal but we voice the community so we have a lot of different um correspondents so it's Mm -hmm. not just me and albert anymore it's a new a new sort of community member does the tournament rep for us so we chat with them what it's about and we get a few different perspectives yeah, it's it's a great it's a great way of of shining a light on Australia's uh, of a tournament scene in the way that that I like I like to think that I've done in the UK because I don't do much traveling outside the UK. There's so many tournaments here that it feels like a waste to try and go anywhere else. But I, I do hope at some point to be able to travel uh, around the world and do something a bit like what Kylie uh, um, from the Green Dragon podcast has done recently and talk about just 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 do a, a big huge SPG tour. But um, you know, money and all that. Uh, yeah. So. so yeah. Um, so just we've got we, we've got a vague idea of what your podcast is um, and I know Geordie I, I, I can't remember whether Albert you've been on um on YouTube's as well but I know Geordie you've definitely been on the uh, Conquest Creations YouTube uh, a few times so people people will will have seen your face and you've actually done quite well on some of those haven't you <laughs> yeah I take Jacob to school honestly <laughs> it's not being a challenge a few years ago <laughs> yeah well it, it, it's uh, so 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 you are known to the to the community uh particularly in australia but you kind of i can't remember whether it was you geordie or you albert who who came to me with 
with a great idea for something for an upcoming tournament. So, um, and I know Al, I don't know what, who, who actually came up with the idea and who came up with this concept of the great Smith that we're going to be talking about in great detail soon. But uh, just to explain where, where it all came from, I guess. Yeah, Albert, do you, you want to talk Hobby Hero? I, yeah. I, I spoke uh, a lot. Sure. Albert, you sure. go for it. Well, just me- mention mention Hobby Hero. Sorry, I hope you do. Do you do a bit of editing, um, Harry? I will mention do, yeah. Hobby Hero and then throw it to me about the Smith. So mention the, yeah, the Hobby yeah, Hero, yeah. what that's about. Do you, do you want me to do you want me to talk through the the whole Medbury um, yes crossover? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right, cool. But remember, concise. <laughs> Got it. So, uh, on the podcast, we developed our own prize, which was Hobby Hero of Legend, um, which is really, you know, who who went to the tournament and had the the biggest and best hobby game. And it's not just about being best painted. It's, you know, some greater than its parts, um, all of the hobby uh, wrapped into one. Um, and that person, we gave a prize. And somewhere along the line, we wanted to actually have a tangible um, prize that people could take away and paint for themselves. So, I reached out to the um, great uh, Andrew Medbury from yeah. uh, Medbury Miniatures um, and asked him if he would be up for um, doing a commission sculpt for us, which he was more than happy to do, which is awesome. Um, and he basically got exactly the brief that we gave him on the first yeah. go. Like there, w- there was no real revision. So he, he um, took the brief, ran with it, and completely nailed it. And um, then we got um, a beautiful exclusive mini that only we um, have the file for, therefore can uh, be the sole distributor (laughs) to make sure that the hobby hero is earned uh, and not just downloaded and printed. Uh, Okay. So, so this is, this is a a hobby hero miniature. Uh, I am holding it in my hand right now because you've sent me a, a a very special one, a metal one, uh, and there are also some, some 3D printed ones that are in a little baggie downstairs. And and Jordy, just so I've already teased ahead uh, to the Great Smith. W- what is the model of? Yep. So we've got the Great Smith of Xeraxa Gill. What we wanted was like, you know, a craftsman, the the leader of, the, you know, the the head of their order, you know, they're, they're the best of the best. So we were like, you know, Dwarven Smithy. All right. So that that was sort of our representative. And then just for funsies, we built a little profile around him so that players can use it in their actual game as well. And to be clear, if you don't have access to the, if you haven't won the Hobby Hero, feel free to use the Smitty profile. Feel free to get your own proxies. We 100% condone that. But uh, in order to get the Hobby Hero, you've really got to earn it to get the official model. What have I done to earn this? <laughs> you've uh, you've, you've run only a... gone and run a bloody podcast. It's <laughs> one of the most <laughs> iconic in the MESBG world, Harry. Oh, what? wow. That's very Three kind. years, Harry. Four years of hobby work. You know what? Yeah, you're right. I, I guess I have been doing it quite, quite a few years now. I don't really realise that. But yeah, it's. Uh, I guess it's 20, 2018 or something. Like, uh, uh, maybe 19 that I started. So at least mm. at least four years. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe a little bit longer than that. So yeah, God, it has been going. That for a deserves while. a that deserves an award, mate. Well, sure. well, it's very kind of you uh, to say that. And I have uh, I've got some some of these pro these uh, you've given me some of these as well, which I'm going to hopefully be giving out. Um, these these little minis. Um, and just just so so it's really cool so i'm trying to picture it for for uh, describe it for the listeners uh it is as you would expect for a great smith he's a he's a dwarf guy he's kind of got a big beard 
and a slightly balding head, um, a, a receding hairline, <laughs> some big bushy eyebrows, which I really like. There's some great detail on this miniature. And um, he's got a hammer. He's got an axe on his belt. Uh, he's got some little pouches and he's got like a big brown ape. Well, he's got an apron, which I've painted brown. Um, and I've painted his little leg clothes uh, in yellow and some black boots. And he, in front of him, he's hammering an anvil and a massive shield because he's doing some work. So uh, it's a really cool model, it must be said. And I'm really happy that I've got a metal one because I just mm. love metal miniatures. Uh, and the detail is really nice. Uh, it was really well made. So uh, I'm really, really chuffed with that. And But now now you've you sort of laid down the gauntlet, uh, Albert, and you? you kind of kind of said, well, you've got this miniature. What, what are you going to do with it? Right. It's time to put the great smith where your mouth is, Harry, uh, and, and take it to a tournament. Yeah, so uh, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it to the Rings of Men uh, in this uh, in this episode. Um, Jordy, you you designed the profile, is that right? So it, is this is this the the first draft that I've got in front of me? I've got a, a bit of paper here with me with uh, with the actual profile on. Is this the first draft? No, that would be I think maybe the fourth total iteration. Wow. Um. So it, the concept is all the same. Mm-hmm. The things that changed was a few niggly bits of points and a few buffs here or there because um look spoilers harry he's not very good oh you can't say uh, that now that's oh come on I've committed <laughs> to it i've already started the interview and everything but 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 i gave him a buff just for you he oh, got right, a five okay. point five point decrease recently recently so he's at 155 right okay okay so um have you got the profile in front of you? would you like me to read the profile for you yeah that would be terrific I'll, great uh, so albert harry fuck <laughs> <laughs> it's harry uh, yeah <laughs> so uh so the great smith is a, a fight six dwarf so he's uh, move five strength five defense five three attacks three wounds courage six uh three might uh with a little star we'll get get to that in a minute three will and three fate um and he can't be used uh that's a nice line here it says he's so reclusive that he does not meddle in the affairs of other dwarves uh so you can't take any other named heroes and list includes the smith so uh so no durins and so on which is a shame but uh, i like the idea it's very restrictive so um and he's got a hand and a half hammer an axe and an enchanted anvil i like that i like that he carries his anvil with him um which so I, i'm sure you can remember what was what what does the anvil do yeah the anvil's really important so the the balancing of this model i wanted him to be absolutely garbage defense he's defense five as you read out but i didn't want him to die to shooting or take big chip damage from shooting Mm -hmm. so the anvil gives him essentially like like the pavise for the um arbalesters it's plus two to defense when taking a range shot Uh, it also provides resistance to magic as well yeah, that's a cool idea because I, I did look at the, the, the defense five and think this is rubbish. Why have you given me this? I don't, I don't want to have to use this. This is the only dwarf that I've ever encountered that's that's got such a low yeah. defense. But yeah, but it's a cool idea. And and the resistance to magic again, that's handy. I mean, see, I already think I'm starting to think. Oh, okay, maybe this is a decent hero. And you're already telling me that it's not. It's it's gonna take it's gonna take a strong general Harry. So I know you've got the goods. Yeah, the low defense can really <laughs> throw him off. Right. Okay. Well, you you've heard the podcast, so you know you know I'm not I'm yeah. you know I'm not that good. <laughs> yeah, you'll top table for sure. I, so, I believe in you. Okay. Right. I'll I'll let's move swiftly on from that. Uh, so <laughs> he he's also got specials burly and mountain dweller. So burly, which is good because he has got a hand and a half hammer. So strength five burly. 
two hand. Mm. That's he's going to kill some stuff, right? He's going to smash through things. Um, that's good. Mountain dweller. I, I yeah, I, don't, I can't imagine him jumping around with that that um big old um <laughs> anvil. But you know, strength five, Harry. Strength five. He, he, he can carry it. He can carry it. Fair enough. Uh, okay, and then he's got this special rule. This is the asterisk. And um, so he's called a legendary hero, Geordie. Uh, so uh, is that so? It's not. It's not a free point of might every turn, though. No, it's um the it's identical to Aeol the Young. Uh-huh. So if you spend a the first point of might, you spend each turn on a four plus. It's free. Right. So okay. What what this really leans the character into doing is slowly spending like one might a turn. Mm-hmm. So if you burn out your might, you spend all three in one turn. You don't get the full value. Right. So it encourages a bit more of a like gradual slow grind, which suits dwarves, I think, yeah. really well. Okay, that's interesting. Um, because I, I just imagine what what's I, what I'm gonna do is uh, in, in and I always do this with this kind of hero, is that I think, oh, I, I have kind of more might than I think I've got. Because mm. you go, I've got three mm. points of might, but actually you you don't you, you know, you think, oh, maybe I've got four, maybe I've got five, maybe I've got seven. Who knows? But I, I have to roll a foot. So I'm, I, I guess you have to still be quite cautious. You can't go, oh, well, I'll spend it because I think I'll get the four plus because um, you probably won't. Or, well, you won't half the time, which is interesting. I like that. That's cool. Um, so the next stage, uh, we've got the final the final rule. And this is uh, a Smith's first love. It's interesting. Um, so great is his skill that the great Smith of Zurich Ziggle uh, that merely striking upon his en- enchanted anvil, the dwarven steel around him can change to impenetrable mithril or honed hardened steel. So um, I don't know whether you know much about this, Albert, but this is pretty cool. This is kind of a, a wide buff effect yeah. that uh, you can spend a point of might and you get either a plus one defense or a plus one to wound um, for within three inches. It's It's a pretty cool idea that he's not just buffing he's not just bashing his silver uh, or his mithril or whatever <laughs> on his anvil he's actually sort of magically helping other people's armor and stuff and th- this is something that Jordy and i have kind of talked uh quite a bit about on the podcast the the decision that you have to make in a general uh, you know when when you're deciding whether to throw in your heavy hitter or keep mm. him in the back in a support position yeah um so that that's kind of the tension that is at play when you're playing with the the great smith um so something to keep in mind i would say going into uh your first tournament with it yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, it, it, it reminds me of the, the tricks, uh, the sort of difficulty I've had uh, playing with the uh, Dragon Emperor, where, you know, he's got this massive mm. banner, he's got this massive fight value buff, um, you know, but he's also uh, well, uh, well and truly able to chop through stuff in combat. So so you kind of don't want to risk him, but equally, you know, you want to get the, the value out of him for both ways. So I guess this is the same, and it's tricky, because if he can't be engaging combat uh, to do this... And you can't usually you want to have a big turn with a hero like this, don't you? Where sort of if you're spending your might to to make everyone get a plus one to wound and count as a banner, it says I didn't I missed that bit. Um, yep. one of the options. Um, so you have one or two options: make it hot by the striking, or wait till the wait to strike till the iron is hot. And and that that hot by the striking one with the plus one to wound and the banner is good. That's really good. But I kind of feel like you you that's the term where you want to do a really big turn and kill loads of stuff, but not having your big hero in there will make it tricky. Mm. There's the, it's, it's interesting because the tension is if you can't commit the um, Smith, like it's risky. So like you're versing Mm. a Thranduil or, you know, something along those lines, that's where you keep him one pit back, throw up, make it hot by striking, 
try and get those kills with, you know, your, your Vault Wardens and your two attack Iron Guards with plus one. You know, now you're wounding on fours, which will chop anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not risking the Smith. You you just risk losing a Pippa Mite with that four up. Um, yeah. It's really there's, interesting. There, there's the push-pull, and there's been a couple games where, in hindsight, I should have kept him back and Smithed. And that's definitely the hardest decision point on this model. Yeah, it's tricky. So, so um, have have either of you or both of you played with this model uh, in sort of a competitive in air quotes format? I I haven't played with it in a competitive uh, format. Just mm. a couple of um, friendly games, uh, and I've got to say, uh, you know, like my generalship skills. Uh, <laughs> really really show the the pitfalls of making the wrong decision at the wrong time right okay um, you know wanting to get that strength five burly to go chop uh and and overextending uh the smith has led to some uh pretty comprehensive defeats <laughs> on my behalf i guess so it's difficult because he's only three attacks isn't he and and he doesn't have the charge so you don't get the four and and stuff like that correct. so so it, it, yeah. it's these sorts of heroes, and I know um, I've I've run dwarven armies with Durin and stuff before, and you kind of hope that that Durin's going to be able to uh, smash through stuff, but it's not as reliable as you might think. Uh, to you know, charge for example, two guys with with spears in support, it, it's it's so often you actually just get uh, you end up squiffing it, and and it's it's a bit rubbish. Yeah, it's that hope against hope with uh, mm. that because you you're wounding on fours and threes and stuff. You're like, I'll kill you, but. Winning the dual rolls half the fun, half the battle, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's not like Bolg and Azog where they're throwing eight dice to kill. It's still just three dice. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah, it's it's tricky. It's tricky, and and I suppose even if he is burly and everything, you've got to be cautious with how you use him. So so, Jordy, uh, what are you, what are your tips? You you have taken him to tournaments, right? And in fact, yes. you're fresh off a, a a three off the back tournament wins. Is that right? Yeah, I, I've hit a bit of a hot streak. I've had three first places in a row, I think we're sitting on. Um, I, I hope, I hope with the Great bad. Smith. I hope, I hope with the Great Smith, you know. Yeah, I'll, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've nah. been using some filth, I imagine. Ah, uh, just some Dragon Emperors <laughs> yeah, and yeah, all of ours, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but the Smith, um, he's, very, he's very fun. So I know I've been, we've been poo-pooing him. Mm-hmm. Very, very fun. And I think he's one of the more... And, this this is all um uh I don't want to say anything too bad. All right. This is all gonna sound pretty bad because I made the profile, but like he's very fun and he's one of the most interesting c- characters to play because there's you too can many say choices. That. You can say that yeah. you enjoy playing with your own character, that's fine. <laughs> oh great, thank you. <laughs> um, but with his list, you're gonna have pretty good numbers because he's not yep. crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. So you really have to lean into the troops on the list, which is kind of half the plan with this guy. Like yeah. he's he's no Durin. He can't, you know, he doesn't, he's not a one-man army. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to rely on the troops, and that low defense sort of pushes you in that direction. You know, you've got your D7 dwarves, and it's whether you chuck them up to defense eight for a couple turns, just smithing and holding this zone yeah. while your iron guard are off on the flanks just chopping. So it's it's that push-pull. And then of course, whether you commit the Smith to um to beat up a hero, but it's one of those ones where you want to make sure you've got the um the advantage. Mm. So my my win ratio with the Smith is positive. I think I've gone four and two. Um, nice. But I tend to have a good generalship. So it's like 
it's not enough to say that. Yes, yeah, so yeah, Albert's just given us a nod. Yeah, that's yeah. the difference you, between Jordan and me. Toot, toot, toot your own horn. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, terrific profile, and I love the Kazard list, and yeah. the, I think the Smith brings out a lot of the good that the Kazard list has, which is strong troops. It's definitely cool. It's definitely a cool list. So with that in mind, and um, there's two more things we've got to talk about. Um, one is um is the rest of the army so you've already sort of hinted at it there that uh you i mean i don't have actually that many dwarven heroes so i've got a choice of like a king's champion um because because uh, of the named element I, th- I don't think king's champion counts as named does it or, or does it i don't no, think it does no, i think you can have multiple no. them so so i'm gonna have one of them for sure i thought um and maybe like a captain or a king probably a king and then maybe uh, maybe a shield bearer or something like that, because that, those are the only ones that I, I don't have that I have access to. So, uh, do you think that sounds like a good base for the list, or should we, uh, should should I try and lean into multiple captains and things like that? I, I love I love the cat. So, can you guys hear my cat playing? No, your cat. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, my cat's in the background. She's okay, got a fine. ball. She's got a ball. Sorry. Oh, All right. No, cut fine. that. Cut that. Cut that. Um, I love, <laughs> I love the Kazard captain. I think he's an absolute unit. Yeah. Um, five five is his only downside, and let's mm. be honest, that's not that bad. Yeah, D8, and he'll be D eight. Yeah. So and potential D nine with the the um the Smith nearby, or mm. just you know strength four plus one to wound two attacks is always nice. Okay. Um, so rate the captain really highly. Um, love a shield bearer. I run shield bearers love with my Smith. Not it's a sleeper. Not, it's a yeah, sleeper. Sleeper. Sleeper agent. Hundred percent. Because they they want to try and get at your Smith. So having that shield bearer nearby, it's a little bit of protection. Mm. Okay, so I, so I'm I'm kind of on the right track then with a with a king's champion with his two banners, uh, yeah. a shield bearer, and I, I'm going I've gone with a king. Um, just mainly for the fight six and also the more because the shield bearer had the. Uh, the small it's a smaller it's a minor hero isn't he so we can only have six guys with yes, him yeah, so at yeah. least the king makes up for the the gap in the um in the sort of troops but i don't know whether that'll matter at these points levels that, that that we're playing at but um that's really cool so so that sounds like but and i think it sounds like you're also suggesting i lean into dwarf warriors rather than the the sort of mass uh of, of a sort of special hit uh, troops that you can get uh both both so i'll look yeah, I won't say what I build. Um, yeah, both. Um, you want you want the numbers. Mm. The dwarves really rely on numbers. They don't get spears, but so you need to envelop, which means you need lots of bods. Sure. But then you want for that central to cop the brunt of the first first hit. Couple vault wardens, couple iron guards for sure. Interesting. Uh, um, thanks for mentioning vault wardens because that transitions us nicely to these models, which uh, I'm holding up for our Zoom call, but obviously that doesn't work <laughs> for uh, the radio. Um, but uh, we've got some beautiful. Um, I, I assume these are uh, uh, Medbury miniatures that have uh, have been crafted and painted by your good selves. Uh, I don't know who did who did the work on this. Was this you, Albert, who painted these guys? Ah, uh, we both painted one. Now the, ah, the question okay. is, uh, who yeah. painted which one? That's a good question. Well, um, I actually think both of them are very nice paint jobs, but I'm going to guess that Albert painted the uh, the guy with the shield. You are correct, sir. Oh, okay, bang good. on the money. Yeah, so so they're both very nicely painted, but there's there's a little that I think, um, based on your sort of hobby hero sections, and um, your your sort of, I think Albert, you're generally the better painter. Is that fair to say? 
Oh, wow. Is that, is that well, for just a <laughs> so I didn't that, come on here to get fucking torn to shreds, all right? <laughs> well, I, I think I think this has got some really, really nice highlights. Um and but, but then of course you've got the shield, so it's it's easier to to make that look nice. Um what, than I, to make what I would say nice. what I would say between the, our two paint styles is that mine is perhaps a more traditional paint style, right? Whereas Geordie's is more of a um, artistic endeavor yeah, uh, yeah. in terms of the way that he approaches kind of uh, NMM and, uh, you know, highlighting and contrast. So yeah. um, I'd say Geordie's is more painterly, whereas mine is more kind of trying to go for, I guess, more of like a box art style. Mm -hmm. um, so Geordie's is crap, yours is good, right? Yeah, that's very diplomatic, <laughs> Albert. That's very diplomatic. No, no, no I... I, I... <laughs> I'm happy to say Albert is much cleaner and, and does like a better job. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, like Albert said, I'll lean into like an artistic theme. So, so for so. example, for this spear uh, that you've done, this Vault Warden, he's got like a, it's got like a white uh, tip that's kind of blending into a blue, which is blending into the spear. So it's, uh, uh, it's going for some kind of, I, I don't, uh, uh, is it meant to be some kind of magically kind of effect of the, of the iron yep. being the, the, um, the sort of great Smith power. Is that, is that what you're going for there? Bang on Harry, 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. so I got I got that, which is good from the from the paint job. So it's obviously not that bad. Uh, no, it, it is. They're both really nice models, but you <laughs> I just want to, you know, I, 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 when I lean into this sort of thing, I just rather than digging the hole, I'm just going to twist the knife. Yeah, and yeah, it makes yeah. me sound worse. Yeah. Wait, uh, I feel it. <laughs> yeah. My heart. Um, so, so, uh, so you've got these two models. You sent me them in the post um, alongside the Great Smith uh, and some a little uh, so, some other Great Smith models. Um, what am I going to do with them? And do I need to ma make some notes? Because you seem to be quite competitive about this sort of stuff. <laughs> well, uh, there's no such thing. Uh... Let me go again. Well, look, there is a friendly rivalry that exists between Geordie and I. Obviously, uh, he holds more of the, the tournament trophies. But, um, you know, All when you're out... <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah look if we're getting into the minutiae um but what we want is for you to run a kill tally over the day so uh kill tally between the two of them and as an added bonus for the shield bearer my guy uh anytime that he comes up against a enemy hero and he survives uh that round that counts as a kill for him okay yeah because of course he's gonna be on the front rank so he's more more likely to exposed uh, yeah be exposed so that's exciting so i've got it so now i've got and um, this is the, the makings of a, a pretty fun um pretty fun list actually because uh, rings of men the tournament we're going to is is generally considered a sort of fluffy tournament people bring custom brew po profiles um really nice armies so so it, it's just an extra added element uh here to make uh, a little bit of spice we've already got the great smith uh, and i'm going to be keeping track of uh albert and geordie uh the dwarves to see who who keeps who wins out now i don't know what i what i should do but i feel like i need to give the pro a prize to whichever of, of you guys wins oh. the tournament in the kill Ooh. tally 
So uh, maybe uh, maybe I'll have to come up with something because I have some Entmoot themed things that I can send over to you guys uh, uh, in in Oz. So maybe I'll I'll save one particularly good one for for the winner and a slightly less good one for the uh, for the loser <laughs> in that kill tally. So uh, I don't know how Christ. to decide what they are, but it's it's you know it's all hotting up here uh, on Entmoot and uh, the Two Towers podcast. So um, guys, this is brilliant. I'm really excited about this one because I love dwarves. And um, I've always thought that they need some extra heroes. And I, I just I'm really thankful that you've a designed this for the community and for the hobby heroes that you've done, but also that you've been willing to to give me one uh, to play with uh, at a tournament. So this is awesome. So thank you so much uh, for sending it over. It's our pleasure, Harry. Uh, keep up the awesome work. And I can't wait to hear back. Uh, how well my shield uh, vault warden does amazing, and, amazing. yeah thanks Jordy harry and um, thanks for the profile yeah yeah can't wait to see your army and obviously can't wait to listen to the app uh best of luck so there you go that was albert and Jordy of the two towers podcast thanks again uh, to those guys for coming on to entmoot to talk about uh, this uh, this profile i mean i hope you think it's good because i really like it i do i think it's a good balance between uh, one of those sort of homebrew heroes you sometimes get uh, uh, see people come up with which is frankly just too powerful um, there's downsides to this. Um, there are potential upsides. It's a lot of points, 155 points, I think we said. Um, so there are ups and downs, but it's certainly got potential. And so I'm really excited to to get this on the table. So uh, with that in mind, you heard some of the advice. I'd written some draft lists uh, before this event, which is 850 points. It's now time to build an army. build worthy of Yes, that's right. We're building an army, of course, not for Mordor. I kind of spoilt it this time, didn't I, by wazzing that uh, half an hour interview with the uh, Two Towers podcast at the start of the episode. But we are obviously building a Khazad-Dum army built around that great smith. So um, as you heard in the the interview just now, the sort of profile chat, um, the great smith is a hero of legend profile, 155 points, and he can't be alongside any other named heroes. So... That's the restrictions. We've got 850 points to spend. Here's what I came up with. Uh, of course, your comments and criticisms to entmootpodcast at gmail.com as usual. So we start with the Great Smith. 155 points. He's a hero legend, so he can lead 18 warriors. We've got in his warband four warriors with shield at nine points each, four warriors with bows, I'll talk about in a second, two Khazad guard for 11 points each, and two Vault Warden teams at 25 points a pop. So 50 points in total, four models there. So that's uh, four, eight, 12, uh, 14 models in that warband. Now, there are two things that I want to address initially. First, the the amount of Khazad Guard. I'm, I'm not convinced Khazad Guard are actually any good. So obviously they're fearless, which is, well, not fearless, but they're kind of the bodyguard. So that's really helpful. But for two points extra, you actually lose the um the the sort of a lot of the value of a, a warrior so they okay they're strength four so you get the point so that's advan- that's an advantage um but the this burliness you don't get that you only get that with durin so i think you're only gaining really a point's worth of stuff and you're losing the ability to shield which is really helpful but i don't have enough warriors with shield for this force so i'm gonna build a lot more khazard guard than i should also it's a theme event so it's cool to have a mixture of stuff so there's that's one thing two you notice the bow numbers in the uh, original list i'd written i think i had 
I can't remember how many bows. I had two, maybe three, something like that. Uh, as you heard, uh, Albert and Geordie suggested more bows. So that's exactly what I've done. I've got an extra, I, I painted up a, a load of extra bows uh, ready for the event and I've added them into the first warband. So there we go. That's the first warband. Second warband, King's Champion with its two heralds. Now, King's Champions are, of course, uh, not named heroes. Um, so you're allowed to have them. They're 140 points. King's Champion's just great. He's got two points of might with the heroic strike. The two banners uh, add one to his defence, uh, so he's defence seven, plus one for the uh, one banner in base contact, plus two for both banners in base contact, and that's shared about them. So it's a defence nine triangle, which is really good with banners and a strength five striking hero at its centre with three attacks. So very good. The downside, only two points of might. Hmm, not so sure about that. But still, I, I still think they're good. Uh, just particularly because if you think 50 points worth of banners there, you're getting King's Champ for 90 points. It's a bargain. Um, and there's all that fate that they can share. They've got five point, points of fate between them that the King's Champion uh, can take. So it's really good. Very defensive. Very, very hard to kill. Next, we've got four Warriors with Shield, three Khazard Guard and another Vault Warden team. Uh, of course, one of the Vault Warden teams is going to be Albert and Geordie, uh, which I'll talk about throughout the podcast. Uh, I think probably one of the one, one of the two teams in the Great Smiths Warband. But there you go. So more Khazard Guard. Again, I'm not convinced by that. I suspect uh, extra Warriors is probably the right choice and maybe one Khazard Guard per Warband. But it's all fine because it's a bit of cool, themey dwarviness get a bit of a mixture next warband we've got a shield bearer now i used a shield bearer many many moons ago um i think before i'd even started the podcast didn't think much to it but for 60 points and a point of might for a defense eight hero with a massive shield who gives 12 uh, a 12 inch re-roll to um courage checks uh for all dwarves that's really good um, I didn't even really pick up on that uh, the first thing but a 12 inch uh, re-roll for courage checks Again, this makes, I think, makes the Khazad Guard less worth having. Because if you've got Courage 4 or whatever um, <clears throat> your, your normal Dwarf Warriors have, then this is just really good. So uh, he's great. And of course, he gets a heroic combat for free within three inches of the Great Smith or any hero that you choose, actually. It doesn't have to be your top hero, I don't think. Um, and he he can uh, only obviously only joining that combat but still uh, hopefully um, get enough value out of that to make up for the fact that he's only got one point of natural might so then we've got a uh, three iron guard in that warband so they're the throwing weapon guys these are the most expensive troops you can get uh, other than the Vault Warden teams who are across two models anyway, so I don't really count them. Uh, 15 points a pop. They've got two attacks, though. Defence six, so the lowest defence of the army in, alongside the bows, um, but throwing weapons as well. So very good. Fight four, strength four, all that goodness with two attacks. Very handy in a tight spot. Uh, then we've got one more Khazard Guard in that warband. Be- war the Shield Bearer is only a minor hero, so you can only have six dudes in that warband, but I've gone with four. Finally, rounding things off, we've got a King with throwing axes for 80 points. Now, a king is fight six, two attacks, two might, two will, and one fate. Uh, Defense eight as well. The throwing axe, really handy in the tight spot. Again, really handy for someone um, with might to be able to punch holes through stuff. Uh, I think that's, that's his main advantage that I found in the past, is that he's fight six, he can just... It's a very focused kind of pressure, it's, and it's really hard to tackle. So we've got some really good um, fight value troops. We've got the the Great Smith, uh, sorry, heroes with Great Smith with fight six, the King's Champ with fight six, and the King with throwing axes with a fight six as well. So really handy against elves, which I just feel like elves come along to themey events quite a lot. You know, they just you know, like I mentioned earlier, the Nolder and Exiles and stuff. You just they just seem to crop up a lot. So um, fingers crossed. Uh, of course, the um, Dragon Emperor could be about. But, I mean, who's going to bring a Dragon Emperor to a fluffy event? That'd be ridiculous. Anyway, um, let's carry on with the final warband. So we've got four Warriors with Shield, three Bows, 
a Vault Warden team and three Khazard Guard in there as well. So uh, so the first thing, uh, so that's 45 models. Uh, we've got two, three, uh, five, eight points of might plus the Great Smith's four plus uh, thing. So we could get extra might and the Shield Bearer's three heroic combats within three inches of the Great Smith. So there's potential for more of that. Not, not exactly high on might, but not low. 45 models, though, and minimum defense six. Um, mostly defense seven and of course some defense nine on those shields as well so really really strong really really strong defensive army lots of models handy for um, objective grabbing and all that sort of stuff and who knows whether this is uh, this is a good army generally but at a fluffy event I feel like it's all right maybe a bit strong actually and because just that number of dwarves is quite rough at um, a, a fluffy event but it's going to be fun. We've got a new new profile. Uh, we've got some interesting stuff in there. As I say, if I was tweaking this for a, a kind of more competitive list, uh, I might be tempted to get some more bows by dropping a few Khazard Guards. So if we say, let's say drop um, three or four Khazard Guard, that's 44 points. Um, what can we, How many bows can we get for that? Well, it's 43 for... 45. No, it's 40. I need, need to say 45 points somewhere by dropping... Khazard Guard. So if I drop five Khazard Guard at 55 points, then I could get um, something like an extra set of five bows or something like that and something else for 10 points. So, you know, maybe there's there's some value there. Either way, that's the army. We're building that for uh, for Mordor, not necessarily for Mordor, but more for Khazadum and Zirak Ziggle. Now, let's time to move on to questions. Questions. Questions that need answering. So, after the flurry of riddles in the dark emails and questions that need answering emails that have been stocking up and piling high uh, in the inbox, uh, it's a very, very thin one. But then we have had a message um, for these questions that need answering um, by Philip uh, Philip Ledbetter. He says, "Good evening, Harry. Hope all's well in your neck of the woods. Is that ring feeling any more at home yet? No, it's still. I'm still fiddling with my wedding ring, um, despite it being a few months in. So maybe we'll get used to it soon. Hopefully. I, I thought I would write in. He says, with some thoughts on the most recent wave of questions that need answering." the Draw at Ardakan and the Azalbolg conundrum and not really answer either. Great, thanks thanks for that contribution, Philip. No, I'm just kidding. He says, I thought I'd write in with some thoughts on the most... Uh, sorry, I was listening to an episode of the Unexpected podcast recently about what competitive means, and it got me thinking about your questions along with some discussions we've had recently at the local club. To me, it seems like it all comes down to the social contract that you agree to, whether you know it or not, when you choose to participate in a game. Is Ag... Is Azog OP? Maybe this depends on the context. If your friend is rocking up with a fun chill list and you've written the most nails list with Azog in it, then he probably is OP because the two of you have built this for two very different styles of game. If you're going to an event where you're, you aim to win it, then writing a list to reflect that makes sense. Unless it's been agreed otherwise, others shouldn't be surprised when you maybe turn up with something you think you can win with. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's saying the same goes for the draw at Ardicon. Personally, I think it's weird, but then I like the idea of playing a game to a conclusion and would feel cheated of the experience of the game if my opponent didn't want to continue. Don't I don't stop playing when I'm obviously going to lose 12-0 because I want to make that 12-0 hard fought, not something served up on a platter. If the two players agreed to it, even if, and I know it wasn't the case, it could have led to, say, one or both of them not making the top tables in the final game, for example, and the TO has no issue with it, both the players have decided and that's what they want, so that becomes their contract. I suppose what I'm trying to say, and maybe... What it boils down to is we, as players and community, don't discuss our intentions, contracts, aims that we have when we play a game enough, especially when every, not everyone gets enjoyment out of playing the same way. Anyway, I feel like I've rambled enough. I tried to make this shorter than some of my previous emails, and I don't think I've managed, so feel free to paraphrase this. Too late. I didn't paraphrase it because it's the only email I got this time. So, um, Philip, I agree it's about the social contract. I- interesting you say, as players and community, don't we don't discuss our intentions, contracts, aims enough. I'm not convinced that's true 
But I suppose in some ways it kind of is because the Lord of the Rings community itself has such a kind of name. For, it's made a name for itself in the sense that it is it is the friendlier community. That's what people say. We're fluffy. We're about the sort of theme. We're all playing Lord of the Rings because we like Lord of the Rings. And that's the kind of consensus I've heard in the past. And I think that's largely true. Most of the people who play this also like the Lord of the Rings. They also like the films. They like the books. So on. But... That doesn't mean that you can't also play competitively. And I think that's a difficult um, balance to answer. And I suppose this is a difficult one for me to encounter on this episode because I am I'm, I'm taking a, a homebrew profile because I know I wouldn't be allowed this at a competitive event because it's homebrew. On the other hand, I actually think it's a balanced profile and maybe quite a good army to go with it. So my, queer, my question, I guess, that uh, comes back to you and hopefully people will be able to answer and we'll find out later on how it goes is... How how do you do this this idea? How, do you have to do you have to play in a sort of way that is detrimental to your ability to win the game in order to be fun and fluffy and thematic? Because I've heard people talk about you know games where they've had say for example people do silly things like I don't know uh, where they've decided to uh, charge uh, Azog but with uh, with a hobbit or something because uh, even though it would lose them the game because they know that that's what would happen i don't know i'm trying to think of a better example you know say aragorn out of might uh, he's already spent his first point in might on a heroic move and he charges at azog because that's what aragorn would do love that idea thematic true but also is it kind of silly because the game is about winning the game it's obviously about having fun and recreating battles but it, it does that kind of ruin it for the other person if they're going, well, actually, if you hadn't charged Aragorn, I would have had more fun trying to get him in a different way than you just sort of handing me on a platter. And I don't, I don't really know the answer to this, especially as I, uh, quite frankly, get a little bit better at the game. I, I'm more experienced. I'm starting to, you know, I've came fifth at that GBHL 100. I don't, I, I don't think it'll happen again, uh, certainly not anytime soon. But the better you are at the game, the harder it is to therefore make it fun is that is that right i don't know i think what what this boils down to for me is i think i'm at a crossroads in my gaming career where these sorts of questions i find really interesting because i can build a fun list and i can build a silly list but i don't know whether that means i'm going to deliberately try and throw the game and create silly moments unless unless it's a it's a really kind it, it's just unless that game has has descended into the, the madness that is a is one of those fun games which, which we've probably all encountered where it doesn't matter we're on the bottom tables or it doesn't matter it's the last game of the weekend, it doesn't matter we're hungover, whatever it is. <clears throat> so I guess that's the question I'm going to bounce, but I, don't, I haven't really sort of commented on what you've said, Philip, there. Um, but I'm interested in what other people think about this. Can you have a competitive game and also it be fun, themey and, you know, pleasant to play against? Because, you know, there are people who've won most sporting who do really well in tournaments. Um but also, it's the top table play does tend to get a bad rep for, you know, being a bit mean or whatever. So, and and the more I found myself winning games and getting a better win loss ratio, the more I found that, I don't know, maybe I feel unhappy about it, or maybe the games, the the, the conclusion of the game is is better, but I feel like maybe the opponent has had less fun. It's it's really tricky. I'm really interested to know what you guys think about this. Um, Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and we'll see how this tournament goes, but I, I'm intrigued to see what you think 
uh, as as I play through with this this uh, relatively strong list, I think, um, at a fluffy event. So let's move on from the questions that need answering and podcast at gmail.com, which uh, if get in touch with if you uh, think you have any uh, comments on that. But also, let's get into... Riddles in the Dark. I press Yes, that's right. It's time for Riddles in the Dark. This is the part of the podcast where I play a clip from the Lord of the Rings, all the Hobbit movies, and you just have to tell me one thing, and it's one very straightforward thing. Who speaks next, and what do they say? Here's this week's clip. Ooh, it's an exciting one. Okay, now... You've heard the clip, who speaks next, what do they say, entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Now, this one is a special one because we've got another competition, that's right, and this is going to be very exciting because this is this is a very rare issue of SBG magazine. Now, I know, I know what you're thinking, you already gave away an SBG magazine in the last uh, podcast, and you'd be right in thinking that. But guess what? This is another SBG magazine. It's a different one. It's very exciting. This is the Christmas-themed Yule edition of SBG magazine. So it's a it's a print. Tom uh, and Damien have once again thank, uh, sent me an issue for you guys to uh, to enjoy. Um, and obviously, uh, this is a fantastic magazine. It was once upon a time posted in separate PDFs on the Great British Hobbit League Facebook page. Um, it's now been compiled into a lovely magazine. I have it literally in my hands as we speak. It's very exciting. We've got some. Uh, we've got some issues. I've got one issue for myself because I want one. Uh, another issue for my patron supporters. If you're one of them, you'll be in with a second chance to win one of these, uh, and one for you, lovely. Uh, listeners. So listen to this clip, tell me who speaks next and what they say and email in entmootpodcast at gmail.com uh, with your answer and we'll have a prize draw before the next po- uh, ed- on the next episode. Listen again, here we go. There you go, entmootpodcast at gmail.com is the email address to get in touch with. I'll play the clip right at the end of the podcast. And as always, entmootpodcast at gmail.com, my email is in the uh, description on uh, SoundCloud or on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. So uh, there's absolutely no excuse. And you really, really do want to get this one in quickly as soon as you hear this podcast because I ideally want to get the episode out in December. So in the first week of December, ideally, um, we'll do the draw immediately and then I will send that magazine that day by first class delivery. So on it. You've got to be on it this time. Get those emails in. One final listen to the clip. Podcast at gmail.com. Now, we've built the army. We've spoken at length about the great smith of Zirak Ziggle. Uh, and this podcast is getting increasingly long. So I'm going to cut straight into the good stuff. This is where we go to war. Let's take the great smith on an adventure. Here, Mr. Robo, where are you off to? Stop, I'm already late. Late for what? I'm 
game number one, and it's called Capture the Hostages or something like that. I'm not actually sure what the name of it is. But the basic principle of this one is each of our uh, forces has a hostage, and um, we've got to keep keep hold of that hostage and try and get them off the opponent's board. Uh, it's worth five VPs if we can get it off the opponent's board, three VPs if it ends up in their half, and if you manage to capture the opponent's hostage back, you gain three VPs. So that's the kind of general gist. It's kind of like a seize the prize variant, but not really. Playing against Callum, uh, who is my car buddy on the way in here. From, so come all the way from Lincoln, and we end up playing a game together. But anyway, yeah. anyway, it's a good way to start the tournament. And first of all, Callum, just give us a run-through. What have you brought for this uh, the slightly themey tournament we've got here? Yeah, so I bought a uh, Defenders of Helm's Deep list uh, focusing on Legolas and Gimli and their competition uh, to, to kill, basically. Um, I've got, uh, obviously, Theoden has to come with them. Uh, and then we've got Aldor and Halif, because what is Helm's Deep without the iconic um, supporting characters? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then gambling just to make Halif uh, a little bit better, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure, because... Yeah. He ended up really pulling his weight. Yeah, so. surprisingly so. I mean, I, I like that you say that you consider Aldor and Halif more integral than uh, Haldir and uh, Aragorn. But hey ho. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I feel like when I think back to the Battle of the Helm's Deep and, and those, it's those scenes with Aldor loosing the first bow and, and enraging the orcs and the conversation uh, Halif overhears between Aragorn and Gimli uh, and that kind of interaction there that kind of sells the scene for me and, mm. and really gives it the impact in the movies that it has obviously the books play out differently but well um, justified I think that was well justified yeah. <laughs> so you come up against my dwarven army you know I, I mean I, I know the, I've got an unusual character in the great smith here we did I, I gave you the profile at the start of the game so you did vaguely know what he was and mm-hmm. um, you saw the, the sort of massive, you know, Defence 7, mostly front line, plus some Defence 9 front line as well. What did you think when you, when you sort of saw it over the table? Did you fancy your chances? Uh, so Dwarves is always a difficult one. Obviously, I'm strength-free. I'm no stranger to it. I've been playing Rohan for about a year now. And whenever I'm looking down the table at Defence 7 plus, I know it's going to be an uphill fight. Mm. Um, I didn't quite have the numbers this time that I often have against dwarves. Yeah, you were forty-eight and I was forty-five. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was always going to be an uphill fight, and I was kind of reliant on my um, Halif buffing my royal guard and my elves kind of fight five carrying me through, mm. um, which didn't quite plan, pan out unfortunately yeah I think I think the terrain played a massive thing here I mean we talked about the terrain before we started saying actually it's relatively sparse because there was quite a big zone in the middle it's got like sort of uh, a Brie style uh, village which looks really nice but in the middle there's this sort of big empty platform but you sort of I think I don't know whether it's wise or not, we'll talk about it in a second, but there was these two houses scattered off and there's, so there's like kind of formed three choke points, um, which I thought, well, I, I don't mind dividing my army as much because I reckon my guys are going to sort of survive the grinding war because they're so higher fight. And if I can pick off your, your um, Rohan dudes, I'm higher fight against them as long as they're away from Halith and all that sort of stuff. So I, I think that, that played in my favour, but I, I don't know whether you, whether you agree with that because you, you basically divided your army and I also divided my army. So we had kind of fighting on three fronts. Yeah, it was an interesting one. I was really hoping that one of the choke points would prevail and I'd be able to push through and get a flank uh, mm. and kind of take out your spears from behind. I was also hoping... Elven shooting would do a lot more early on, but yeah. I only got what two casualties. Or yeah, something? it wasn't a lot. And, and actually, when my dwarves, uh, dwarven bows, did deploy, they kind of, I think there were seven bows in, in my dwarf uh, contingent, and they absolutely destroyed some of your. I think we got a few elves quite quickly, and then a few uh, Rohan as well. So like the uh, the elven bowmen were dying to my guys, which was kind of the wrong way around. 
Yeah, and you know, I, I, was, I think I was five models down before we'd even hit the fight. Mm. Um, I mean, yes, I chipped one of your heroes down to a single wound and oh, no yeah, fate. Yeah, I was going to say that's quite a big one though, because you, you got a few shots on the King's Champion and he spent two of the Herald's Fate and one of his own and took a wound from shooting. So actually, mostly of that was Legolas, to be fair, but, but that, was, that was quite decisive because it meant that I put, I was going to send the King's Champion into Gimli, who was looking after your hostage. Um, and my hope was um, my Dwarven contingent had a lot more dudes in that, that flank um, than you did. I thought my guys, my Dwarves will crack through your, your just poultry ro uh, uh, Rohan guys. The Royal Guard were completely separate on a different flank. And I would chop through that. And yes, Gimli would probably do, do a number on the King's Champion eventually. But I thought at, at least this way... Gimli would be on his own and I'd, my, my dudes would be able to free the hostage and it'd be all fine but um, instead the King's Champion was a, on a wound and no fate and the banner had gone um, by the time we collided so it was actually really uh, really worrying so I kind of pulled back a little bit but then went for it in the end anyway and he did eventually die to Gimli but but as I sort of expected I, I just got the overwhelming number of troops there so I did manage to crack through and get that hostage which is important. Yeah, and I made the mistake there of not just kind of skirting around your uh, lower move value and kind of just running away with it. But I was kind of worried about leaving the rest of my army to deal with you yeah. uh, uh, without that kind of support of Gimli, who is one of my bigger fighters. Or I thought so, but I mean... Yeah, the other flank maybe proved that different. Yeah, yeah. So meanwhile, on the other flank, I'm I'm basically sending my hostage. So I, I think it's fair to say, you know, that this the, the Gimli flank. Although you won, uh, you killed my king's champion and so on. I had the mass ma majority of uh, dudes surrounded there, and crucially, sort of moving towards the middle of the battle where my great smith uh, was fighting against the the bulk of the elves with Legolas. Um, Basically, I, I just because I got those initial early kills, the elves were dying. There weren't enough uh, enough dudes, and you kind of started separating them off a bit to try and support the other flank. So I just managed to munch through them with the uh, the great smith doing his work, and then Legolas eventually got pinned down. So so it's kind of and that meant that I could send some of them to support the um, to the other flank to try and sort of make safe uh, the hostage that I'd recaptured. And so that that was kind of I think the central flank. But this is why I think the the division of your three. Um, army uh, sort of three parts of your army didn't really work in your favor whereas it did work in mine because over the other side where the bulk of your army was your Theoden and um, Haleth and Aldor had all deployed on that side of the flank there were a lot more of your guys there but crucially I had I still got dwarves like they're just grinding away slowly and just chipping away like uh, at your guys and and although you did some did do some amazing work. I mean, how, as you said, Haleth in, in particular, he was absolutely chopping through doors like nobody's business. Yeah, I mean, losing the elves in the middle was kind of a shock uh, mm. that those fight five elves should have probably won a lot more fights than they did. Yeah, but. well, it was weird, wasn't it? Because I remember the first turn, I won all the fights pretty much, and but didn't kill as many as I'd hoped. Mm. And then... Uh, and it was like, well, that's the wrong way around. And then the next turn, it was sort of the way it was meant to go. You won more fights. And I, but heart, the, the fights that I did when I killed, so it, it all started snowballing from there, didn't it? It certainly did. Mm. Uh, and then them not being able to go and support Gimli as they probably should have done mm. uh, hurt. But then, like you say, over on the other flank, the Royal Guard and Halif kind of put up a good fight. Uh, mm. Wasn't quite good enough. You did manage to wrap around in the end and start kind of picking off my spear supports. But, I mean, just looking at how far, like, I'm looking at it now and how far Halif moved forward. Yeah, yeah. He's normally kind of, like, sitting towards the back and just kind of picking off easy fights. And he felt like one of my bigger hitters, which, yeah. without Aragorn around and with that one attack, he's 
not much better than a normal warrior. So it's well, in some ways he's worse than a royal guard because he's low in defense and he's low in fight and everything. But uh, either way, he was absolutely smashing through. And you called a couple of eight combats. So he's like, well, I might as well. I've got um, I've got the free mic because gambling's kicking around. And he like killed two guys in eight combats. It was mad. But and meanwhile, my king, my king who was looking after my hostage, so he was trying to drag your your fellow off the table. Um, he, he was cracking his way through, but um, sadly the, the hostage kind of, they got separated essentially, which, which wasn't really my intention, but um, I, I thought I was safer than I was, and, and Halas started breaking through the line, so, so you, you kind of cracked through my, my line that I wasn't expecting to crack through, because I'd already encircled you, but then I, I, maybe I didn't leave enough in the background, so uh, it just meant as we get towards the end of the, uh, the game, you actually cracked through and you were threatening my hostage and all this sort of stuff. So it was getting very, very close. So I, I'd, I'd come look just looking over here. I mean, you've probably got the lion's share of the the models over here, and I mean, yes, there were loads of dwarves still kicking about, but but you didn't you, you didn't kill as many as you'd hoped. But in that last turn, you did get a heroic combat that led you to the hostage. Yep, it, uh, Theoden managed to pull through to the hostage. Uh, he got right up there. Um, won the fight just about uh, that was touch and go it was um, yeah because I think I, I I think I rolled a three on and, I, and the hostages count as unarmed and you rolled like a two yes <laughs> and so I because he's unarmed it, it, it dro- uh, dropped down and the, the count as fight one as well so so I, I, I lost the fight but you need to roll one dice to try and uh, free it and he's had no might left and that, that just kind of went, went the wrong way didn't it yeah I got a three again yeah. uh, um <laughs> Which, you know, it, it was only worth one point to me, but it, it would have been something. Um, and it would have denied me points. It would have yeah. absolutely denied you points. Yeah, so I, th- I think uh, in, in the end, that would have swung it from, uh, if you'd have captured him, um, which you automatically do on the 4+, plus, you'd have got one VP, denied me three, and it would have been a 5-1 victory to me. But in the end, it was actually an 8-0 victory to me because um, the the hostage was on the uh, your side of the board, so I'd managed to move him over the over the threshold to, to get those extra VPs. So so in the end, I got the 8-0 win. But I mean, just one a, a final thing because obviously this is this has got a, a special character, the Great Smith. I mean, did you, what did you think to him and his abilities? Obviously, he was fight six, so he was helping against the elves. But what, did you feel like he was overpowered? Had too much had too much special rules going on, or was he just sort of normal? Honestly, I didn't really notice a lot of his special abilities. <laughs> Abilities in play. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you had an opportunity to use a lot of them. Yeah. Um, I did use them once. I'd use one where they, one of the turns to try and uh, get the the majority on fighting. So they got the plus one to wound uh, for that one turn, which might have helped on a couple of key rolls. But um, also he got the couple of free points of might. So he did he did he did do all right. But he wasn't he wasn't like absolutely destroying stuff. So um, and the final thing I guess I need to say is uh, my two um, shield wardens uh, sponsored by Albert and Geordie from the Two Towers podcast. They they got two kills between them and they both went on the shield warden guy they actually uh, killed two guys twice over uh, but I rolled off to see who won it so um, so yeah Albert is in the lead so far um, but uh, Cal- uh, Callum thank you so much for um, for the game I mean I-, I think it was unlucky to lose right, right at the end and uh, especially with your superiority in the shooting to the t- taking out my heroes early on or sort of take chipping away wounds but I think just the grindiness of the dwarves kind of won it out didn't they yep definitely uh, hopefully I won't be playing against dwarves again anytime <laughs> soon but knowing my luck it'll be cavalry next yeah so- 
so yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, see. Um, well, good luck in the next game anyway. Thank you very much, and to you, and good luck for the rest of the tournament. Um, Cheers. Game number two, the Lesser Rings. Now, this is a divide-and-conquer variant. Basically, uh, divide-and-conquer is the one where you split your army over to two quarters, and there are three objectives in the middle. And these Lesser Rings are things that people squabble over, so they move a little bit um, at the end of each turn, and they sort of move two inches um, in a random direction, which is all very exciting. We're playing against Larry. Now, Larry, we played last at the Battle for Unnumbered Tears on the final table, and my win, my lucky win, propelled me to uh, fifth place. So this is a bit of a chance for you to get your, uh, your own back. Before we uh, go into the results and all that sort of stuff, just give us an idea of what you brought to this fluffy event. <laughs> I just wanted so, to dig in straight away. <laughs> I mean, my track record with this army wasn't great, so that's why I picked it. Right. So I brought Riv Knights. We have Elrond, all the gear, Aragorn, all the gear, and a captain. And then 14 knights, all with shield and one with a banner. Yeah, and you, you say your, your track record with this army. Last time you played it, you, you got a spoon. Yeah, when, uh, 2022 on number tiers, it was 0 and 6. Wow. So you lost every single game of the previous time you played. And now uh, you, we both won our first game. So Divine and Conquer, we're looking at split deployment, but you've got a captain and half your models in that warband, which kind of helps. So Aragorn's not on his own. Just under. Yeah, yeah. He had four knights with him. Right. So. But he wasn't on his own, which I suppose is, it really helps you guys. You've got three. Um, what did you think when we, you know, we're coming with this scenario, Divine and Conquer, you've got a lot of dwarves to crack through. Did you fancy your chances? Not really, because predominantly I'm a shooting army, so I need to sit still, yeah. shoot. I got one lucky turn of shooting you, mm. where I think I killed, was it seven in one yeah, turn? Yeah, it was. No, but, yes, but none of the turns preceding or following that really killed much. So that one was like horrendous, and then everything after that was pretty sort of fine to say I'm at 17 models and you're at 42 45 45 yeah. I just needed to thin the numbers but you lined up perfectly on one turn where mm. the, the one problem I find with the dwarves is your lack of spear supports yeah. and when I get two attacks with higher fight it just increases my chances a lot yeah. Elrond 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 popping his Wrath of Bruin off was quite big yeah and one shot in your King's Champion King's Champion was pretty nasty yeah so that was quite that was fairly early on so I mean the diff difficulty here was that we we're on the same board that I was playing on before and I mentioned in the last report that um, there's this big uh, sort of dead space in the centre and the last game it really played to my advantage because I could work through the dead space and uh, divide the uh, opponent's army up and, and pick them off piecemeal between these different ruins this time the objectives in the dead centre of, of, of that massive massive space I mean it must be two foot we square two in the open yeah so two in the open one yeah. in the middle one just on the left and the one on the right was the only one that was kind of obscured yeah and and I think that that kind of favours you because I you, you can spread out and you can wrap round and you can do all that sort of stuff um, a lot a lot easier than, than I'd hope and of course because you got the mobility you could get in you can get shooting straight away and I, I can walk in and, and I, I did try to get to the middle but um, and I, and I, I kind of succeeded on that I got my, most of my army right in the centre and it was it looked pretty intimidating and then you say that turn of shooting where you took seven guys off or six or however many it was and then it looked a lot less intimidating and then the and that that was like oh okay because before that that previous turn i think you were kind of like oh yeah you weren't sure with the charge but then you killed enough and it was like oh now i can jump on that really thinned out warband well the whole plan from the get-go was i was going to pick one corner just to go and attack which worked really well because i wiped out I just really diminished your might resources on one side, yeah. and you still had two or three more turns of moving just to get anywhere near me. Yeah, and it just meant I can clean up this side, 
not really worry about getting trapped and then my heroes can just go and do what they do Aragorn against your dwarves was brutal only yeah. needing fours it kind of just he one shot the king's champion which yeah. is Brutal. It, it was, was very brutal. It was grim. I mean, it, I, I did have all fi five of my fate, and uh, I passed just two of them, which was exactly the num uh, uh, number that I needed to lose, which is a shame. So uh, it was that was frustrating. But um, I, th I think you, you're right. You, you pinned down your because your um, captain's warband came in and started sort of peppering me with fire on the, the sort of one corner. The the other guys came in the other corner, and then when you did finally hit in, it was like it was most of your army hitting something all at once, and I I couldn't respond. With with the other half, so it was it was a real one-sided um, turn that that turn. I might I might have cut, taken a couple off, but the next turn was much better. Like when my um, the Great Smith and um, a couple of other uh, guys got in, uh, I, uh, and sorry, who was it? The Shield Bearer and stuff like that, and I managed you know do some janky stuff there. But and I think I took like five or six of the. I think that was the first turn you ki you killed five and one of the horses. Yeah. But then I think to you've only killed six yeah. knights total and two horses and not. I don't think you damaged the heroes at all. Yeah, I, I didn't do. I, they they were completely out of resources very quickly. But by that point, you did you did all the damage to the things that were going to do damage to them. Yeah. The thing I was like, in my head, I was like, it's probably not a good idea to burn all my might. But I just burned it all and went for it because I had Aragorn and I killed two of your heroes which still had might available mm. so it evened the playing field up quite a lot yeah absolutely and particularly the, that oh, I'm Larry and I'm very knowledgeable <laughs> that's Will uh, talk, we'll hear from Will later um, the, I, I, I think that is particularly uh, was particularly smart because you, I, I'd, I'd fluff my strike roll on um, the the king's champion. Oh, was it no? I'd, no, that was the second turn. The second turn. Yeah. So I I, I just I flubbed the I flubbed the dice roll or something like that, and then and it was exactly wrong. But then the same with the the, the the smith. The following turn, he flubbed his dice roll and he managed to go down in one go, which was really annoying. The king's champion. I fluffed mine. You yes. were a higher fight, but fluffed your dual roll. Dual roll, and didn't have enough might to. Yeah, because I just spent on a strike, yeah. uh, as, as is the case. But yeah, that, I mean, that, I think that's kind of uh, that's all she wrote, really. I mean, it, once once I'd lost the the king's champion, and you take you forensically chopping away at my banners as well, so I just had even less of a kind of chance to to re-roll into the sixes and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I I, I, I do think that it, you were, you were particularly cruel with your dice rolling. So like you, you kept getting things like three high, and and I'd be like, yeah, fucking got it on the three high, and then I'd roll a three, and I think. Fuck's sake, you elves! Uh, so there was things like that, but I, I don't, I don't bemoan that sort of stuff. But I, I kind of want to know: Would you have done anything differently? Like, how, how would you have played it uh, if you were using the dwarves against yourself? I don't know. I've not played with the dwarves for since I started playing because mm. I just can't get my head around them. The movement really hinders you. Yeah. With the dwarves, I find that you don't really need to spend your might to call the move. You're yeah. not bothered if you get charged. It's but you are when it's against cab with lances yeah yeah exactly yeah and that, yeah that's the tricky thing and I, I think there was one turn when I, I probably my, my smith I had the special rule which I could have gained plus one defence or plus one um, to wound one of the turns and I don't know whether it would have benefited because he wasn't in combat that might have yeah Aragorn got lucky and one shot at your yeah so I didn't even get a chance to do it no yeah. sorry yeah it was a shame but I mean in the end um, I, I actually think I did a really good job holding off one of the objectives I think I did a, most of the stuff that I should have done which was get to the middle as quickly as possible, hold off one of the objectives as quickly as possible and kind of try and dispute, uh, uh, contest the other. And it was just, it was just a matter of the way the, the kind of you'd, pe you'd picked on my army uh, to 
you just you, you just knew eventually once you churned through one bit you could churn through the next bit and kind of I've had enough time to yeah. focus on one half and that's the major it's a really big problem like issue with dwarves is mm. your movement mm. when you're split you like being stuck together and then starting to wrap especially when you don't have spears mm. but I think the only thing I would have done different was anchor up around the objectives more yeah and but there's not a lot you could do I think the divide bit was, was crucial here because you, you had a, a big warband on one side of me and a big warband on the other so if maybe you're right if I'd have put a circle of dwarves around it then maybe that would have helped because I don't need the spears or anything so it's fine but but yeah I think I just didn't have enough time to do that but like the objectives move in this one and it's only two inches but it can still catch you out because on the last turn the objective on the far right moved towards me yeah. which meant my Aragorn can just go and kill the two models you had on it. Yeah, exactly. So I'd, I thought I'd played that quite well because that one of the objectives was hidden behind a building but it kept edging out of the building and then towards the centre where you were winning the fight. Yeah, it, was, it must have gone six, maybe four turns, uh, two-inch two moves in exactly the way you probably would have chosen it, which was a bit... <laughs> I'd rather die for yeah, that one. Yeah, it was a bit annoying though. <laughs> but, uh, so I thought I'd done that, that fairly right. And this one, I, was, I, I thought well, as soon as the uh, King's Champion had lost, the, the, left, the other flank had probably gone but then the same with this one I, I had it castled up and it kept sort of edging away from the anyway I can't complain about these things too much but uh, I can complain about a 12-0 vict- uh, victory to Larry here which was which was uh, brutal it was really brutal you completely tabled me nothing left on the board which is saying something considering I've got so many fight uh, defence 9 defence 8 you know models when well, I've only got 17 models to start with yeah. I think I, I got very lucky with some of my dice rolls and you got very unlucky with yours yeah it, it was It was. well I, like, I just yeah anyway I can't yeah I I think if I'd have got a few more fours, it's, it would have made a massive difference, actually. It's one of those unusual games where four high, I would have won quite a lot more combats than I did. Yeah. There's that one turn, though, where you just killed five, yeah. and then I was like... It, but my heroes just turned around and started picking through. Yeah. The thing is, if, I, if I'd have had two turns like that, it, I don't think you, you, we would be in a, talking about a completely different story, because you'd have been broken, uh, you'd have had a lot fewer things to focus on to the objectives, a lot of things, and the heroes had to do more. I mean, there were a couple of turns where, for example, Elrond was surrounded, and, and he flubbed his combat, and, and I managed to flub it as well, and all this sort of stuff. So it was, it, it, there was a lot of stuff, whereas if, if you had fewer models, those sorts of things would have been compounded a bit, which would have, would have, would have been uh, big. But, hey, 12 mil loss, I can't, I can't exactly say that I was... Uh, I was riding high, and you will definitely be riding high. It takes you up to table one, I think. We're on table three at the moment. So. It's not going to go well the next game, though, I don't think. Yeah, it looks like the Dragon Emperor is on table one. A fluffy tournament, outrageous behaviour. I'm just going to shoot him at prey. <laughs> well, good luck, Larry. And it's nice to uh, to have a rematch after that, that game where, where we played with the Siege Ballistas and the Catapults, and I got quite a lot of direct hits. You can't say I'm filthy after that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck in the next game. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Did you hear, I hope the recording caught that. He said he loves it. Uh, Game number three here, uh, Maps of Destiny, uh, which is a kind of retrieval variant. I'm playing against Sam, Sam Roper. Uh, first of all, Sam, um, I guess we just need to establish uh, armies. Yeah. So what, what have you brought here? 850 points uh, of theme. What is your theme? Let's my, go for that first. So my theme is the very specific scene from the Return of the King Extended Edition, um, where Boromir and Faramir are like, getting drunk with the boys. Um, oh, to yeah. Break out the ale, these men are thirsty. And then Denethor arrives with all his bodyguards to be like well Faramir you suck this is my best son Boromir so that's the sort of theme to make it more fluffy because that's what this event is about I brought Faramir with Ranger mm-hmm. and obviously bringing Denethor instead of like Hurin and Kyrian just to make it a bit more fun Absolutely. obviously had to bring Bor- Boromir because yeah. cracked might 
But I also brought the bolt thrower because that just makes things a bit more interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. That is the one sacrifice theme. And I suppose Boromir's on a horse, which we'll forgive because, you know, he's much better on a horse. Uh, although, to be fair, he didn't last very long on his horse uh, because... This retrieval is the one where it's kind of captured the flag, you divide up by diagonals and then you've got an objective 15 inches away from each corner. And then the, the slight variant is the map is, you can't pick up with, ca- by, with the cavalry model and um, you can, it's a light object or something like that. I can't, there's, there's, there's a very, very slight uh, difference. We deployed pretty much on the centre line. I was, I was sort of three inches away from the edge and you were sort of a little bit further back from your line. Um, and basically, the first turn, I think, I think you made a mistake. Yeah, first yeah, turn, uh, yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad you <laughs> glad you agree. But basically, you set up your cavalry, um, and then you kind of move them forward, and mm. um, so they were much for, even though they were well within range, charging range of my guys. You move forward in the first turn to try and, I don't know. I just felt like you maybe you just felt like you wanted to move. So, so the plan, the plan was if Boromir could hide. He'd yeah. be nice and safe. Mm-hmm. And then next turn, the Fountain Court Guard could arrive because they, they, they were originally just out of charge range yeah. from you. That I think I was six inches away. Yeah. If Boromir hadn't have lost his horse, the plan was the Fountain Court Guard move up next turn, six inches. Yeah. Then I can charge and the Fountain Court Guard can actually help out. It, it, didn't, go, it didn't go how I planned. Yeah. Boromir lost his horse. A couple of knights lost their horses. It, it basically, the, the, you did you did the the Faramir charge from the movies, right? Yeah. But with Boromir, and you just sent rah, charge, and then I was like, oh, okay, I'll just wrap around everything with my dwarves, and I think I killed all but one of the maybe two of the knights and Boromir. Uh, but Boromir, because I shot him yeah. with a very lucky shot uh, with a bow in the very first one, so I think you you blunted a lot of your killing power straight away. Whereas if you'd have gone around the sides or like left them back or just waited a second for or second turn for um for the rest of your line to be even so all of it landed at once it would have made much more I mean, sense in hindsight it would have made a lot more sense for it would be to the fountain guard court guard or my front rank of swordsmen doing the charging yeah and having the cavalry coming from the side the exactly. cavalry do the wrap round so yes. to get still get the charge bonus but they haven't done anything all day and i wanted them to do something yeah <laughs> and, and they did they they did they just charged and they died the, 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 the two that survived Ended up doing quite a lot, actually. Yeah, they yeah. killed quite a lot of models. They did, yeah. Because the, the lance bonus is so good against but, them. But it actually makes me realise if I'd have played it differently, they could have killed a hell of a lot more models. And I think it was a bit naive knowing that I'm going against stuff that's D7, D8 and D9. I need the lance. Yeah, yeah. So I'd can't, I can't yeah. afford to lose the knights really early on. And I was aware very early on, oh, wow, you've charged... Your, your big hitters in, and I've got a chance to kill as many of them as possible now while I've got a chance yeah and, and, and I think there was a, another mistake that I think you made but I, that, that was I think you spent an awful lot of might very very quickly like I think Boromir spent like six points of might in two or maybe three turns the, in, the intention was I thought you made a mistake by having your smith anywhere near Boromir for the, for the entirety of the game I don't think that was a mistake I, wa- so? I wanted to charge him there I wanted to kill him yeah see my, 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 my intention was to get in at least wound him yeah. get out yeah, yeah. with as much might as possible and it just it just wasn't happening yeah. like there, there, was, there was one time where I 100% should have wounded him and I think he passed all three fake checks uh, yeah I spent, I spent some might to do it but yes I, yeah that is true so, but the, the I, I think I, I thought well the, the, the smith I don't mind having... Because if I win the fight against Boromir, mm-hmm. um, if I win the strike-off, um, he's, he's wounding him on fours. Because like, um, yeah. I'm strength five with this Burley. Mm-hmm. I, and I could potentially take three points of fate. I could t- do wounds and I could do a load of damage. I could spend you, make you spend all the might. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to make you spend all your might as, as soon as possible. And then you just did it. And I was like, all right, fine. And then I, I moved away after that. Because like, and, and the way the, the lines were formed, I had gaps that I could move back. 
it was close. I admit, I, I did. I went a couple. I think I struck up and only rolled a one or something like that, and it was a bit bad for one turn. But after that, it was fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe it was maybe it was risky on my behalf. But I thought I could get away with it. I think what I should, probably should have done is, when I was down to like the last two points of might, I should have given up yes. and then used those two points of might with like a move to keep the two knights that are still alive, or to like maybe I don't know do a combat to kill as many dwarves as possible when I had when I did originally have the numbers in that big clump. Yeah. But, you know, this is my first tournament. This is my third competitive game, so... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you learn. You learn. But having said that, I mean, your, your guys were... Because you had the higher fight value, um, you've got the... I think it was eight fountain court and other rangers as well. Um, you, you were just sort of slowly, slowly turning away. And like you said, the knights were doing good work, occasionally killing stuff. Um, Faramir took ages to get involved. He was standing back shooting for a while, but he was sort of covering the flanks. Meanwhile, my king's champion was working his way through the ruins alongside the vault wardens, which I sort of told you quite early on. Once these guys, pl- these vault wardens, plug up this gap alongside the king's champion, I'm going to win that gap. It might take a long time, but I'm going to win it. And I did eventually push my way through, which gave me a chance to push uh, a contingent round the flanks of the sort of main force um, over to towards uh, Denethor, who kind of cowered back in the the rear near the rear objective. Yeah, which is fair enough. I mean, he's not a, no fighter, and, and I guess he was out of danger. But um, it, it allowed that opportunity, and I, th- I suspect if you hadn't spent all your might with Boromir early on, you could have moved him back and reinforced the King's Champion because you could see that I was losing there, that, I guess. That alternatively, or I could have deployed Faramir and friends further that way, so that at least I could have had some might there in, instead. I think that, you're I think right. Yeah. The problem. There was no might there to... I, mean, I think there were times where actually I won the fights, and like I rolled like a six... But then he needed the four to take out the gun. But if that had been like Faramir there, could have mighted something. Exactly, would have been, or yeah, or a straight six even. Yeah, yeah, because he's strength four. But um, I think that was one of the the flaws in your plan. Having said that, there were plenty of flaws in mine. I mean, I'm sure you you can pick some holes in it, uh, (laughs) ways that I did things. But um, I, I, I did, I think. I held the line and I held it at a really good place that it was still at least if when you did you did crack through eventually yeah. but it I, I was far up forward enough that but you can recover and, yeah, and come and exactly. catch me there was sort of a probably what two or maybe three turns for you to get to my relic which gave me a bit of time to move back and my smith managed to move back and uh, uh, find uh, a fella that had uh, broken through and kill him and stuff like that so the problem was I think we we Dwarves naturally take a long time to, to die, and your guys take quite a long time to die because you know my, most of my dwarf warriors are strength three. I probably could have been piercing striking a bit more. That was probably a mistake because uh, then they could be killing stuff a bit easier. Um, but they, they took ages to get through the defense seven of your guys as well. I, I, I think it, it was kind of one of those where there were a ton of models in the big melee, and then just out of nowhere there were suddenly no models left. Yeah, yeah. Like it just took so long for anything to happen. Um, I think one if we're, if we're talking about you say you, you think you made lots, a few mistakes i don't think you made that many mistakes as a new player the one thing that i was delighted that you'd done i think you gave me way too much um too many opportunities with the bolt thrower like it didn't actually come off that often as, as much as it should have done but these guys that came on flanking trying to go for the relic of the map fair enough but i think the bows on the right hand side like i think i killed four four guys before I lost a single guy just with the bot throwing the Rangers. So, so the reason I was doing that, I had some... Uh, so, yeah, uh, some uh, got... It's, fa- it's a fair point. that I moved a lot of my dwarf archers around the back. But the problem is they weren't doing anything. Mm. So, yes, I was moving them into shooting... Uh, it, to create targets. But they also were chipping away at your Rangers. They, they, I think it was a fair sort of trade, roughly. Uh, if, I guess if you didn't have the bolt thrower, 
Um, and I'd killed one of your crew in the first turn, and I wanted to shoot the second crew down so he couldn't shoot at all. Um, but it never got, never happened. But um, I think if I, it, I, I, I was hoping that I would, I would sort of trade shots, and it would, it would work. And it did kind of. But yeah, it's a fair point. But I really I wanted to send fewer dribs and drabs through to kind of break through on the mm. flank uh, where I, I'd sort of broken through with the king's champion, and I was trying to push around the objective. But having said all that. And it came down pretty much to the final turn. I mean, the I think you you'd broken uh, a couple of turns ago, or the penultimate turn, uh, and then the final turn I broke. Uh, I think I lost one or two guys. Actually, in I the think you broke me the turn before the final turn, yeah. so I had to do courage checks on the final turn, yeah, and I broke you literally in the last two combats. I think yeah, yeah. it was it was pretty rough. But the, um, the 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 crucial thing there was by that point, my 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 sort of glimmer of hope had made its way through to the back and Denethor, who you probably should have moved, we talked about this, yeah, you'd I hidden him. He yeah, he'd forgotten he was there because we'd swapped sides, hadn't yeah. we? Because <laughs> you were doing all the fights over, your, over my side of the table and I'd come back this way. Probably you didn't notice him. Um, but I managed to get two guys onto Denethor in the final turn. I got a, a Dwarf Warrior and a Khazad Guard. Um, you, some of your guys ran away, so you only had one Ranger that could counter charge. So I had Denethor trapped uh, against a Dwarf Warrior. Um, I won the fight but sadly didn't wound him in the very last moment. So you gave me, I think you gave me that chance yeah. by not moving Denethor out of the way. Otherwise, I'd have had no chance to wound him. Having said that, because I didn't wound him, my smith also avoided the wound earlier in the game, as you mentioned, and I broke on the very, very last turn, and uh, uh, neither of us got to the re uh, relic. We were quite successfully defending them. It meant a one-all draw, right? Right, right until the end, which is absolutely nuts. Because it's like two and a half hours of grinding against shield wall against dwarves. It's, and it's a one-all draw. I think it sums up the game. It was, it was an absolute slog and a grind in the middle. Yeah. Um, I probably didn't deserve the point, as you say, because you should have wounded Denethor at the end. Yeah, because I had two, two strength, three shots. And, uh, yeah, to, to try and get a, a, far, a, a five, basically. Which I think is about half and half chance. So, you know, it's a coin flip, so I don't mind losing that. But um, I think... You were also you were a little lucky because you, you chose to um, do some of your. I, su I suggested, oh, you should you should do your hero first from yeah. your siege crew because he's got standfast, but um, you didn't, uh, and then um, then some of them ran away, but you just managed to get one of them enough to, to charge counter charge. So yeah, if he, if one of those guys had run away, you'd have had no chance, and it would have been a Khazad guard and a uh, and a, a warrior onto Denethor, which would have which would have smushed him. So, um, well, hopefully, at least got a wound through. Either way, it was a cracking game. Uh, it was a real grind fest. But um, yeah, as you say, maybe I made some mistakes with uh, tr trying to take on Boromir. Um, but I think I think we both made mistakes. But I guess that's good that we both made mistakes and it ends up being a draw. So nobody has no hard feelings. Right? But it was a really fun game. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially because it's my, it's my first tournament. I thought I was going to come out here and get absolutely slapped. Um, so. Well, you've got a win and a, a draw as well, so we're both pretty much yeah. in the same position because you got beaten quite uh, heavily on the previous game and I got beaten quite heavily on the previous game, so we ended up in roughly the same pool. So either way, uh, Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for, for playing. And I should update people because in the previous game, uh, I didn't update people on the kill tally for the, the two uh, Shield Wardens uh, that Albert and Geordie have provided from the podcast. Well, in the previous game, I, I mentioned I got tabled. They did nothing. They, they just died. And this time, Albert has continued to progress through the lead the guy with the shield is doing much more work despite him uh, um, him being sort of at risk so he's got now two extra kills so it's four to albert and geordie with his spear is sadly lagging behind will it will it be retrieved uh, in day number two we'll find out well in the meantime sam thanks very much for talking to me yeah, good, good looking at the rest of the tournament yeah you too so there you go that's day one at the rings of men i'll just interrupt here briefly to give a vague summary uh, it's not not the most promising start i've ever had um 
8-0 win against Callum, my car buddy. Uh, thanks, Callum, for your company in the car uh, on the journey um, and uh, an 8-0 victory against him. Um, I think I think probably in that one, um, I just had a good fair share uh, of, of, of luck. Um, the, the shooting didn't really do much to me. Uh, my high defence dwarves against his, his shooting wasn't great. And I, I just think it, the assassination just, yeah, you know, it's just one of those ones where... These, these sort of things can swing so easily if you uh, choose the wrong target and you get the right person. So um, that was that was Callum's first game. Larry absolutely destroyed me uh, in response to that uh, time uh, we mentioned in the interview there, uh, the time when uh, him and I played uh, at the GBHL 100 event, the Unnumbered Tears. I got really looking with my uh, shooting against him uh, with my siege bows. He absolutely destroyed me in response here and just took me to part in a way that I, I don't think I've... I've ever encountered uh, as as badly as this. I've just said assassination. I don't think we did play assassination for game one, did we? Um, I'm looking at the record here uh, of Longshanks. I can't actually remember what it... No, it was like a random mission, wasn't it? Forget what it was. I've no idea. But anyway, it went... Uh, okay. Uh, Larry, I can't remember the missions. I can't remember any of these missions at all. Um, but either way, 12-0 loss against Larry. I just completely destroyed. Um, I do think some things didn't go my way in that one, but hey, uh, such is life. Uh, and then the final game was an absolute grind fest against Sam. Uh, Sam Roper, uh, he, he sort of... I, I don't think he's, he sort of implied that he was quite new to the game. He didn't feel it. It felt like he was really good. He knew what he was doing. It was a really, really tough game against Sam. Um, and it, despite all the little tiny little things that could have could have gone differently, uh, I think the draw was kind of reflective of the, the nature of the game. I, I do think, I, we sort of talked about it right at the end of the uh, interview there, that I suspect that... I, I got a little unlucky there. Uh, you know, I broke by a fraction in the last turn, uh, which gave away some victory points and had a couple of things like a fight against Denethor gone my way, I'd have I'd have won. So there was quite a few things. I think there were a few 50-50s in the last turn that had any of them gone my way, I, I would have won by a small margin, a very small margin. But instead, I ended up with that one all draw, which again, feels absolutely fine to me. So there you go. Uh, now, a really exciting night of um, of gaming. Uh, something I, I think it's, we play this social um, social deduction game called something about the clock tower. Uh, if you've ever played um, uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf or Coup, it was a bit like that, but on a massive scale with twenty people. Uh, it was really really good fun. Um, uh, I really enjoyed that. And then let's move on to the next day's events. So game number four, day two here at the Rings of Men, and we're playing Heirlooms of Ages Past, or a kind of variant, I think it's called the Seven Dwarven Rings. So there are seven heirlooms here, and they're slightly heavier than usual, so they're heavy items, which makes it a little bit trickier. Playing against Katie. Now, Katie, um, you have brought a, a very cool themed army, uh, all themed around a wedding. So just tell me about your army, first of all. Yeah, so the theme of my army was, it was a wedding between me and my partner. So I was a Mirkwood Ranger, my partner was a Bay Awning, uh, leader was Thandy, had Grim Bay on. So kind of the alliance between um, Halls of Thandriel and uh, Grim Bay on. And it's a, it's a beautiful looking army, it must be said. You know, you've got, uh, I mean, Grim Bay on's a lovely model, Bay Awning's a lovely model, but you, you guys have clearly worked together, I think, on, on yes. painting them. Yeah, me and Chris painted it together for um, doubles at Warhammer World, so I cannot take credit for the army army on the board it was a joint effort between me and Chris but they look absolutely fantastic and and obviously the the Grimbion and Thranduil alliance with the with the Tauriel as well um 
Like there's there's a potential, quite a lot of scary stuff in there. You got the fight six, uh, you've got the Beyondings, you've got a bear, but there there are some downsides as well. So because Beyond loses some of the advantages. Yeah, he hasn't. He doesn't. He doesn't automatically turn into a bear. So sometimes you'll play a game and he just doesn't turn into a bear. Uh, he doesn't have monstrous charge. He doesn't have his bear saves. Um, I did learn he's still a banner to bears this game though. Yeah. I thought he lost that too. So he's not he's not as scary. Yeah. You know, he's not going to knock you down and do loads of. Um, but he's still a big bear. Yeah, he's still hard, he's still hard to deal with. Let's put it that way. Right. So um, heirlooms of ages passed. Maelstrom didn't really matter. Uh, we both we both kind of got into places. I think I spent a point of might to get all of my army into one place, and you you just came on in one place as well. And um, but the heirlooms though, now that that did that did play a big factor because I think it was the very first. Turn the very first. Uh, well, it, would, it can't, can't have been the first turn, but it would have been like the second turn that I touched something. I, I rolled a six on the very first thing, so I knew straight away that I was going to be getting uh, uh, having a massive advantage, and I guess you knew that you had a massive disadvantage. Well, won't reveal um, exactly what happened just yet, but I, I didn't. I didn't think that it was an ideal place for me to uh, get sort of locked into here because there was all this terrain around here, and there were quite a lot of choke points where your fight value and your two attacks and all that sort of stuff would come into advantage what did you think about that did you have a plan at the start um i was a bit worried because you're dwarves yeah. so it's difficult to punch through your lines because yeah. your defense and i didn't like the terrain right. because they're the, the bear yeah grimbeon turned into a bear he can't get through some of the gaps on the board he ended up having to try to go over a wall which yeah. he failed to get over yeah which was the first turn which was big yeah yeah so i found that Although it meant I could keep my line together, I couldn't get round the back of you as easy because mm-hmm. uh, I had to go round the ruins. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it, in my brain, I thought it was helping your defensive line because right. you also had these ruins that you could kind of hunker down in as well. Yeah, see, I, I just, I, I think maybe I, I thought early on, I thought your fight value advantage and your, your burly, burly boys would just chop through. But I think just because of the, maybe you're right, because of the sort of scattered way things arrived, like um, it, it didn't all arrive in one go so I had a few chances with like the Dwarf King and uh, and the uh, the King not the King Champion it would have been the Smith maybe uh, either, either way they just got and a few throwing weapons as well it just started chipping away early on so I think I got a couple of kills early on I killed the Bjorning with shooting quite early on so I got a few little pips of advantage early on which I think maybe did help when, when your lines arrived and it they, like, arrived a bit scattershot but second uh, as you kind of alluded to your big hero um, Bjorn couldn't get in so nor, and nor did, nor did Thranduil till sort of maybe the second turn or maybe third turn of combat either so it was, it was quite a slow start for you yes yeah yeah Grimbion kind of took took forever to turn up over his wall um, and Tauriel got stuck on a Vault Warden yeah she got she bounced off that Vault Warden turn after turn yeah and, and even in the end I was just like just spend the mic like you've, yeah, got, you've you just got to kill it and actually I think because I sort of said a couple of turns before that you would you'd kept getting like fires to wound it and things like that I just said just just do it because you you need to do it and, and I think there was a couple of turns in there that you didn't win it or something like that and and in the end it, it, it actually would have really helped you if you'd cracked through that earlier and maybe spent all her might or something just yeah. to do it I had six I was I had six um, dice yeah. to try to wound it each yeah. time because there were so many people around it and it just wasn't happening yeah. but I think you're right if I'd spent that might in that first turn then you're right those would have then come through that side it was just a gap that I was holding I was I was able to stop my guys getting surrounded and things like that which which was really big while I was focusing on the Thranduil because Thranduil had um, was was kind of in the middle of the line but I could pretty much consistently throw a defence 7 dwarf at him and although he had four attacks 
base because he had the sword. He wasn't on an elk or anything. And also, you got a ring of men at the start of the day, so you got potential for a plus one attack and a plus one fight value in this game, which was insane. But and even that, like, it didn't really help you wound the, the, the defense seven or defense eight guys that I was sort of sending sending at him. So he was just stalling constantly, and and he was rolling pretty pit- pitifully as well, considering the number of dice he had. Yeah, he, there was quite a lot of ones and twos yeah. in there. Um, I feel, and again, the terrain. I couldn't get Tauriel round the vault warden because yeah. there was terrain in the way, yeah. and yeah, so I yeah. Yeah, I, I, so it did end up feeling like a bit of a block of dwarves, and because I'd I'd had the objective very early on, it was it was very clearly an uphill battle, and you needed to crack through me, and and dwarves are just tough to crack through. But like in this game, I think the um, I did the smith once. He he added to everyone's defence in the first turn of combat which was really key because I didn't I don't think I lost any dwarves that turn maybe one but I'd, maybe not because I charged like two iron guard against Thranduil and they were defence seven instead of six which is a big deal for, for them not dying in the first turn which is cool and, and the shield bearer was the first time the shield bearer has actually done some stuff he got to do a heroic combat pretty much every turn uh, and killed quite a few guys and helped out the, the smith as well which was really cool um, but even the dwarf bows like they, they were really putting some pressure on in the early game and, and later on and, and they f- proved quite instrumental because I, because I'd held them back um, to protect the, um, and just sort of shoot at the odd bayoning that was coming around the corner uh, to sort of try and flank me. They were also there to protect the um, objective guy when when uh, Grimbayon eventually came down. So, so I think all of my bits kind of just wor- worked in conjunction with one another, and yours just didn't. Yeah, I think that's fair. No, I think you played it really, really well. Uh, you know, when you pick up the heirloom first, you can then kind of consolidate yeah. and defend. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's worth noting playing it really well is easier when you've rolled a six in the first turn. But yeah, 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 yeah. and and yeah, there are definitely things I could have done differently. When you look back on it, I you think- gave me some great advice in different points of the game. Like you say, spend that point on my Ontario. Yeah, um, and there were some other things you pointed out that I had missed. So it's a good learning experience for me, I think. I think I think because the, the, in a couple of turns at the end, like you, you were saying, oh, like Grimbion is he's only got three dice, so there's just no point calling this heroic combat in the last turn, and because I I basically you, we, I managed to get the Vault Warden into Grimbion and stop him doing rends and and heart barges and hurls and stuff like that, which was really helpful. But um, I think there was definitely a couple of times early on where you were killing the easier to kill stuff, which was fine, but. It was you were not killing the most important guy, which was the Vault Warden. I would have spent my and thrown all three attacks at the Vault Warden very early on. Just go right. I'm defense eight. I, I need to kill him on fives or whatever it is. But I'd spend a might just to get rid of because he was the last Vault Warden kicking about or with the shield anyway, other than the one who was dealing with Tariel. So if you'd have done that in the very first turn that you had that combat, rather than killing, I think three Khazad Guard you, and you shield. Remember what I rolled in that combat though. I, I, I rolled um, a two and two ones. Uh, was in, that in the, in the fight? In the first Grimbion fir- combat, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, it did. Well, the first one wasn't great. That's but the second one, you definitely killed a Khazad guard and maybe a two, a second Khazad guard and maybe something else. But there's at least two. And I think if you'd have gone prioritize uh, the the vault ward and maybe spent the first uh, on the, the might on the first roll, just get rid of him, and then there's a lot. Then you can do a lot more stuff. What did I need to wound him? Fives. Okay, so I, prob- I think my brain even t- I probably needed sixes by something. I did say you needed fives. You probably did, but <laughs> then... No, fives or this one, four... And then the last roll, we had this uh, unusual situation in the last roll. Because of the order that you prioritise things, and there was a dwarf bowman, so he was on sixes, so you're wounding him on threes, uh, a Khazad guard or a guy with a shield on fours, and then the vault warden on fives. And you rolled a five, a four, and a three, but because your order of priority, you went, oh, well, I'll go... I'll go the archer first. It, you could have pulled off that heroic yeah. combat if you'd prioritised them by the most important to kill, which I think it, 
it's an, it's another it's a, it's yeah. a, I guess it's like at that point you're also trying to break me I guess yeah right? I was trying to break you if, if I killed that dwarf on a three I broke you yeah so I was like right what if he rolls a bunch of ones again let's, yeah, let's yeah. try to get a three yeah um, and then at least I'll have broken you yeah I, I think I, I'm, I'm thinking more of a kind of ah, go hard or go home kind of yeah. strategy and you're playing it safe to try and get the most VPs well, which, which makes sense yeah. yeah to try and get I think I got two VPs and that yeah. was one of them yes. so yeah exactly yeah so as, as you've just said uh, we come right to the end then and um, you did break me and uh, I, neither of us I think paid much attention to the fact that we needed to keep banners on the table uh, otherwise I might have played a bit harder to try and kill your banner um, but both of us had banners my heralds are fine the king's champion's fine uh, the, oh, he spent all his might but fine um, and in the very final turn managed to just escape uh, with my um, I, I won a roll off a crucial roll off with uh, the shield bearer versus uh, Grimbion's um, might and I was quite cautious with my might so I'm quite proud of keeping the shield bearers there which me- meant that the guy with the heirloom could move away with a friend to carry it away um, into into the distance and kind of shield him off and protect him from a Grimbion charge which which basically won me the game because I got the six VPs for that both of our banners were fine but also we went hard or went home uh, against Thranduil as well uh, heroic strikes and all that sort of stuff with the smith and last turn and sadly this it provided an opportunity for um, Geordie Spearman, uh, who we've been keeping track of for the whole tournament, who's still trailing behind Albert's uh, kill tally. Albert's uh, shield guy died to Thranduil at one point, um, but the, the Spearman was was still sort of able to get vengeance on the last turn, but instead the King's Champion just took Thranduil off in one go, which was annoying. <laughs> he rolled very well. He was like, no, I'm taking, I'm yeah. taking the King's yeah, head. He got, I think he got three wounds and you just failed your fate, didn't you? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. 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 By yeah. the way, I, I think it was a 10-2 in the end, so I, I think you played it really well. I think you did everything that you, you should do but just some of the things were perhaps I, I would maybe change the priority personally but I mean as you said you've had the reason for doing the things you did but yeah just not rolling a one on a get, getting over a wall and you know th- uh, maybe that would have helped yeah <laughs> I guess yeah. But, yeah. either way thank you very much a beautiful army it's, it's fair to say and best of luck for the rest of the tournament thank you very much you too thank you so it's lunchtime on day number two here at the rings of men and it's time to have a chat with will champion tournament organizer hello will nice to have you back on the podcast i'm back baby <laughs> it's always good to hear from you and especially for this event because this one is uh, it's, it's full of the variety of fluff tastic stuff and um, that, uh, that that i guess not all of your events have you always have a little bit of spice but this is this is the super fluffy one yeah for sure we like to make our events unique so we'll do like funny points limits or certain restrictions or maybe unique scenarios whereas this is all of those things at once mm-hmm. so it's kind of um seven stone singles is is how we'd how we'd base it so people are encouraged to bring silly lists make up their own rules as long as they're sort of within reason mm-hmm. not ludicrously overpowered uh, but really have fun with like the hobby side and and sort of things funny alliances and things that you wouldn't normally see yeah. um keeping it fruity keeping it fruity so i mean we're, we're looking actually out over everyone sort of settling down having their, their lovely food and stuff like that but all the tables are on display all the armies are on display so are on the tables and there's a great variety of cool ideas i mean are there any that that i mean you, you gift out sort of special rules on day two for the the best the the best armies but are there any that have really stuck out for you I mean, there's a load of really cool ones. There's two armies that have like 90 ruffians, and you don't see that often. So yeah. see, see it twice in one event, it's pretty cool. Big fan of the ruffians. Yeah, yeah there's a there's an all clansman of Lamadon army, yeah. super duper cool. And and um, I, I don't know, is it was it it wasn't Connor. What's his name? Who's 
anyway, uh, whoever he is, he's he's, we- he's wearing a, a kilt. The, the clansman, Hugo. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Hugo, Hugo. Sorry, yeah. He's wearing a kilt and and all that sort of stuff. So so he's clearly gone all out. And and every and he's invented like captains of Lamadon and stuff like that profiles, yeah, which absolutely. is really cool ideas. Yeah, I think one of my personal favourites is um, Ben Vines. He's done like a top the walls of Helm's Deep, mm-hmm. and it is all berserkers. Yeah. Um, so he's got two sort of berserker captains that are using the Lurts and Ugluk profile. Um, but like it looks really cool, and it is, it's just like fifty berserkers. What's not to like? Yeah, yeah, and it's actually that's I'm, I'm jealous of him because that's exactly the idea that I've had in the past four seven stones, and you know usually it comes with fancy dress. So I've sort of been trying to persuade Michael Haskell to to wear a, a loincloth for, for the whole weekend, but I haven't managed to persuade him just yet. So maybe next year, maybe next time. Yeah, <laughs> a loincloth and a helmet is a is a bold statement. It is a bold statement, and and, and you can see here, you know, it's it's a very relaxed atmosphere. We had had a big games event on the the night last night. What was that called? It was some. Uh, uh, blood on the clock tower it's yeah. like werewolf but on steroids yeah so it's just this whole 20 players 20 people playing this sort of uh, like a social deduction game mm. uh, on the on the Saturday night uh, which I guess may, makes makes these sorts of events really pop when you've got a nice social interaction yeah absolutely it, it, you know it helps at the shop um, you know we have our own license now and we're open till midnight on a, on a Saturday so Normally, what happens after an event is everyone will go out for a few beers, but you get splinter groups, and there's a group sort of divides down, divides down, divides down. But because we can all stay here, almost everybody stayed, which yeah. is just so cool. Plus, yeah. other people from the local area came and joined. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So some of the locals that weren't, you know, didn't fancy a an eighty because they're out slaying hundreds, um, <laughs> sort of came for the evening festivities, which is always welcome. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and uh, talking of the, those people, people like uh, Jake Rawson and so on, who are uh, leading the charge to get to the top of the league. I think he's second at the moment. Mm. Um, but like, I, I, I guess. The, the, we'll sort of move on to some of your other events you're looking ahead to the, the, the GBHL finale which you're uh, co-running with the league yeah. uh, and also um, uh, the, the Grand Prix next year the, like mm, the sort of yeah. the, the sort of top the primo, tier stuff yeah boy. so I, I guess the, the first question is and um, the, everything keeps chopping and changing in the, the, the meta but last time we spoke about uh, the meta uh, you, you, you sort of rated my Pits of Dol Gulda mm, that I was absolutely. taking to uh, what was it was it not wasn't Rings of Men it was uh, of Dyson Men Dyson Men that's it uh, and I took that and I accidentally stumbled across what you described as the, the meta is that still the top pick do you think uh, it's pivoting slightly um, so people are getting really scared of the Mordor Harrod Alliance so they yeah. started taking more elves and dwarfs mm-hmm. so my new meta call is uh, Rider to Thurden um, and I've done an article about that on my mm. Patreon. Yeah, but I was, was going to ask about this. I'll give you the plug. I'll give you the plug. But, but, but yeah. basically, um, the meta wheel always spins, and, mm. and I still think Pitts is lit. Like it'll absolutely stick around. Um, but the the all mounted riders are there and can crack dwarfs and can just about crack elves. Um, so that is a, and it's also just really good at scenarios. So mm. I think that a, a, a smart player might start to you know dust off the horses. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Is that what you're planning to do then? No, <laughs> no. All right, fair enough. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm breaking into Defenders of Helm's Deep um, just because I haven't played it since before COVID and it was really fun. And you um, and the first time you ran it, you won a, a big event. Didn't you? I came second, but oh. it's what clinched me the league oh, in, yeah, in 2019. Yeah, um, and then I, that pivots nicely into Third Guard, and then I'm only a few horses away from there. So basically, yeah, I'm probably going to get there eventually. Right, fair enough. Oh, that's interesting. So so in in terms of uh, uh, the the, the meta pick, you think the the ride the Royal Guard and all that sort of stuff is. Is that is that do you think is what what's the reason behind that then what because is it just because they've got the fearlessness and the cavalry charges and all that sort of stuff yeah basically if you build it in the sort of the hero heavy version with lots of mounted captains um if you get that first turn death right you can just end the game mm. um 
And I've said it's not necessarily an event winner because you'll undoubtedly lose like a key 50-50 somewhere, which is really bad for Cav. Mm. But it's good enough into the field that you can crack the medalists. And then that, maybe that's good enough to get you there. Interesting, interesting. And so we mentioned your Patreon. This is this is the sort of stuff you're doing a lot now. On, on yes, that. yeah, absolutely. So uh, Will's Champions, it's, you know... It's cleverly named. It's a good title. Yeah. It took, took me months. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, essentially talking about sort of tactics, the way people write lists and play games, but then looking at like the meta, what sort of things I'm looking at taking and tournament reviews and stuff so there's, there's all sorts really there's something yeah. for anyone that wants to play a little bit better yeah okay cool and uh, the final thing we, we mentioned the GP looking ahead to next year that's yeah. um, the your sort of your uh, top tier competitive event this is the one that you advertise as yes. being the best event if you really want to prove yourself and yeah. um, in the previous years it's been really good because it's a pod system where mm-hmm. people like me can actually feel like I'm I'm, I'm sort of feel sitting like somebody, in the yeah. yeah well because you like you win a pod and you go yeah that's really good so it's kind of divided like a world cup and all that sort of stuff yeah. and that's that's February? Yeah, so it's the, at the start of February. It's the same format as last year. Mm-hmm. So day one is like a free-for-all. Um, and then you're seeded into pods um, with everyone. Basically, there's price support for every single pod. We spent nearly a £1,000 on price support last year. So we, we want everyone to feel like they're playing for something no matter how catastrophically day one goes. Um, yeah, and, and we'll reload and go again. We've sold a huge amount of tickets. Um, so they went live probably three or four weeks ago, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit longer. Uh, and we sold 80 of the 100. So wow. we are running out of space yeah so actually that that shows that it's getting to the level where it's going to be a properly tough field absolutely but also fun this is the thing like no matter what happens on day one you're always going to be playing with roughly the same people on day two and you've got to be playing for something and be against people hopefully in the same pod as you yeah absolutely and some people sort of drop out if they don't get into the pod that they're in and that's fine like that happens it's very common in other game systems Mm. but if you do get into that top eight you're guaranteed a free ticket for next year and if you make it into top four plus you're guaranteed like actual prizes of Mm like store credit to a decent amount and then the top prize is the smoke mm-hmm. so, amazing well lot to go for that's very exciting well the next time we'll hear from you hopefully will be at the GBHL finale where I'll be doing a podcast with, uh, with a nonsense list that I'm bringing but maybe you'll be at the top who knows we'll find out uh, either way let's go uh, back into the tournament for game number five thanks Will thank you very much so game number five, and we were playing a kind of, it sees the prize variant, isn't it? But we've got three rings to fight over, each worth slightly fewer VPs. Very exciting. Play against Andy Viney. Andy, and just, we've not got a lot of time here, so just give us a quick summary of your list to get an idea of, of what we're playing against. Yeah, so it's a Serpent Horde, Far Harad, uh, Alliance, Green Alliance. We've got Siladon, uh, two kings, a Mahud king and a Herodrim king and a Raza. Yeah, it's it's really cool, and you've got like a smattering of the the sort of elite troops, but it's the bulk of it is kind of actually riders. Now I think about it, a lot of riders, a lot of riders, a lot of just normal troops to just pad out the numbers. Yeah, it's what fifty models was it? Fifty two. Fifty two models. So, and um, seize the prize. Obviously, all about moving. You had a lot of cavalry, and you're up against the dwarves. And um, first of all, did you think you know that that kind of wins you the game automatically, or did you, or were you worried about the sort of high defence and and the sort of the slow grind I can, I'm capable of. So I knew it was going to be hard to get over the line, so like I might be able to pick them up, but trying to get through a dwarven line is, is quite tough. Yeah, because um, you get more VPs for having the, the relic in the opponent's half. Yeah, yeah but... Um, yeah, I thought I thought the horses would would help me out more than more than they ended up doing. Um, but yeah, no, I thought thought that was yeah. I think I think there's one of those things that because you kind of in seize the prize and because it being three seize the prize objectives that you have to push your cavalry so far forward and um, that they're separate from the rest of the force, which does does kind of open you up to this possibility of me being able to charge and pick off a few of them when they uh, when they don't really want to be charged, but. 
also because you have to dismount quite a lot of them I think it was five maybe even six in the end that you had to dismount to get all those three objects because you were desperate to pick them up as soon as possible so you lost a lot of that potential Lancey bonus so I think that was a mistake um, I think it could have got more out of it if I'd used the use allowances to charge, uh, keep you back, and let my, my foot soldiers pick it up. I think, think in hindsight, the dismounting, dismounting was a mistake. Yeah, I, I think I, I totally agree. In fact, that was one of the main things I thought that you could have done differently, which was, as you say, move over the objective shield it off with your cavalry um, I was still sl uh, slubbing it up because I only had one march in my army and, and I could never get it to cover the whole th force certainly not to capture all three objectives and then you, you, you could happily push me back and maybe even keep me well in your ta uh, my table half um, and then you've still got the objectives, you've got much more cavalry, uh, and maybe that would have helped. And also because we had, there was a lot of uh, choke points as well, which my high defense stuff could, could hold the line and, and sort of, and also a lot of the higher fight value as well. That, you know, you, you, you only had fight four sometimes, the trolls were left at the back, just meant that half trolls, it just meant that I kind of, I kind of had a chance to really clean up at the, your, your front of your army before the, the sort of good stuff arrived. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, cavalry went down super quickly, um, what was left of it, um, and it just meant I didn't have much killing power left in it. Yeah, and, and I think I think it was it must have been at least four turns in before you actually killed one of my models, which sounds horrendous, and it, and it kind of was, because I was chopping at you to bits for the first few turns. It really was quite quite one-sided, but of course you did have those objectives all of that time you had someone on those objectives eventually although they'd been dismounted and so on and so the game is of course all about them the potential you could have had nine vps that uh, to get off the board eventually although that was probably unlikely At the very least six because that's uh, how many vps you get for two for each of them getting onto my board half so so you were sitting on that but it was just the sort of length of time you had to hold them out really wasn't it yeah just holding holding that line for too long dwarves don't go down easy and trying to trying to back back that line off it's just too hard with my strength three yeah and i just eventually even with i had lots more models than you but even with that i'm just going to lose too many yeah and and that's kind of what happened i mean right at the the end of the game we're looking at, at a, a pretty one-sided battle i mean there's there's a smattering of uh, of your beautiful orange it must say it's a really cool color scheme orange and gray uh Harad. there's your heroes sticking out um the kings have died but suladan and raza are still kicking about um, but oh no, there is another king. The Harad king's still there. Um, but it's the, the troops have completely evaporated, and there's a lot of a lot of dwarves left. I'm not no, not well. I'm quite. I'm not not miles off breaking, but it's a good ten models, I think, which is which is basically never going to happen with you. Um, I think that one of the um, another mistake I think that you that may have changed things is I know I, I can see why you did it, but Suladan was really far back, and I wonder whether that was were you just basically well I'll, if I keep him behind the lines as a banner, then I I know I've got heroic moves and stuff, but and I'm protecting my uh, leader. But I thought he could, his killing power might have been useful. So I really wish he had got in, got, got further up. I think the problem was where I dismounted horses to try and bring up objectives um, and then ha had a dwarven charge come in. Yeah. It was just things were always in the way. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't really get him in without putting him sort of really far out on his own where he might get ganged up on. Um, so yeah, it was just a case of couldn't get him in. So just passive banner was sort of the best I could get out yeah. of him. 
And, and again, this, this, because of my, I, with the way I deployed is in a very, very long, thin line and in order to try and capture the objectives. It also meant we were fighting on three flanks, which I found worked really well in a previous game that I had yesterday where um, the, the length of my line is, is just so resilient that eventually I can start enveloping and poking people through the holes and trying to crack into the objectives. And I did, I, I, did, I think we, uh, the, the end conditions haven't been met, but just the t duration of the game meant that we had to stop. But um, I'm, I'm guessing very close to one of the objectives that you're holding. Uh, I picked up one of the other objectives and... Um, what happened? Oh yeah, one of the guys was sort of run off, so uh, so I couldn't quite um, pick up the objective in the middle. But either way, the, the just the, the sort of, I think the length helped because you had to thin your line to respond to mine, and your thin line is kind of worse than my thin line, if that makes sense. So I ended up with a very thin line, and the big thing was I need the lances, I need the war spears to get to get you know easy dice rolls for me, and the dwarven line just. Yeah, even if you're hit with your lances on the first turn, unless they break through then, it can be real hard to, to keep it moving. Absolutely, and uh, and that ended up in a 3-2 win to me. It sounds like we're describing a one-sided battle, and in some ways it very much was. I mean, Andrew's, Andrew's dice weren't helping him, it's fair to say, but, uh, I mean, you know, high defence dwarves against um, uh, the Harad, it's always going to be an uphill battle. But, but you did have the objectives. We managed in the final couple of turns. I got um, a shield bearer onto uh, kill one of the uh, guys that um, uh, that had an objective which was a big swing it took gave me two victory points for one of the uh, objectives you held held the other two but in your own half which was one each and then I'd broken you and I was quite far off breaking uh, but having said that the last turn was there was a lot in it because there was a couple of dwarves fighting against Suladan and they won uh, they almost won the fight you had to spend two points on night to win the fight against those dwarves just to guarantee I didn't take another VP and my smith was fighting against the um, uh, the Mahud King as well, who who did eventually die with the help of the shield bearing heroic combating into the combat. So it was it was really close. Like the last turn could have completely changed anything, and that was started in the the sort of final five minutes of the uh, of the game time. Yeah, no, it was it was it was a nice game. It wasn't wasn't sort of this this flood that I thought it thought it could have been. Mm. Um, loved playing against the Smith. Really glad I got the opportunity. I've been seeing it throughout the weekend, so it was really nice yeah, to see yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, just a really great game. I thought all the way through. Yeah, and so and just because I've, I've been trying to ask some of my opponents um, this, the, the, the Smith profile. Obviously, you've had a read of it beforehand. What did you think to it? Like, is because I know it's, it's it's hard to judge something from uh, from a profile sometimes. But do you do you rate it? So I have to say, I really liked it. I thought thought it was really flavorful. Thought mm. thought there was a lot in there, sort of law wise, that was really nice. Like bit of bit of backstory. We love that. Um, and just really nice on the board to, to nice nice model and, and display that you've got with it um, and just some really really fun abilities really nice stuff going on with it yeah because I mean one of the turns I managed to I, I engaged the higher defense thing which is really good and this turn he, he wasn't particularly good at getting his might um, for free uh, whereas in the previous game he did get a couple of free points of mites but really really uh, quality quality profile I'm, I'm really loving it uh, and just uh, before we before we wrap up uh, in this game the uh, the Sh shield warden team um, of Albert and Geordie uh, from the two Towers podcast who we heard earlier um, they are uh, still the spearman has failed to kill anything in the whole game uh, and Albert has successfully shielded away uh, a dwarf king so gets another point for the tally so that means he's got five kills um, uh, or the equivalent um, going into the final round so 
the spearman has got to do a lot to catch up. But uh, either way, um, Andrew, thank you so much for, for talking to me on the podcast, and it was a cracking game. I, I do feel like you, 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 you're actually probably being overly, uh, overly modest and saying that I think, I think you played it really, really well. It's just that the, uh, the look betrayed you quite a lot, and your, your line evaporated perhaps much quicker than it should have done. So um, congratulations on, on playing it perfectly. Unlucky on uh, the dice betraying you a bit. Well, it's a dice game. That's why we love it. It, yeah. it, it can happen, uh, but it was just a really great game, really fun game, really great great army to see on the table. Great, thank you. Very good, uh, very good luck in the last one. Thank you very much. The final game of The Rings of Men, and uh, it's a scenario called The Rings of Men, and it's uh, basically a, do- a version of Domination, and it's got nine objectives. Each of those objectives are worth one VP, as long as they're completely uncontested, uh, and you get a point for breaking the enemy and also a point for wounding the enemy leader and two for killing the enemy leader. We're on. Would you believe it? We're on table number two and, and playing against Hugo Menzies. Hugo, first of all, uh, don't reveal the, the result yet. Um, but I want to talk about what you're wearing because you've got a really cool army. Um, so just talk me through your army and and then describe your your outfit if you would mind. <laughs> so my army, I was trying to go for really Scotsman. So I took uh, Lamadon with Angbor and I got a custom profile approved from Will, who's tournament host. And uh, so it's basically Avedon captain. I'm not going to go through the stats, but I had 65 guys yeah. in total. 65 of them. So uh, most of which were the the Lamadons, but you've got the Blackroot Vale spearmen yes. with uh, with bows as well, and and the you well. and the banners, a couple of banners. Uh, was it just one banner? Just and one banner. and the, these captains as well, which which were pretty cool. I I mean, obviously. Oh, and and you're wearing. Oh yes, uh, I'm wearing well a kilt, sporran, waistcoat, everything that really goes with it. Yeah, a bow tie and everything. I mean, and, yeah. and you've worn this for two days, so it's, if you're sweating yes. as much as I am, <laughs> probably stinks. I have to wear the same socks twice in a row. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of one of those high up ones. Yeah. Um, either way, so first of all, plaudits for uh, going hard into a theme. I really like it, but also, it's it's clearly a good army. You've gotten to the second table. What, what have you thought about your army, first of all? I was honestly really surprised it got so far. I thought with the minus ones, it, I just wasn't going to win fights. But I actually managed to win the first four games, mm. which was great. Yeah, and, um, and I guess because, um, because you've got a lot of models, if you've got, the more dice you get, the more likely you are to get the six, the more likely the, yes. the two-handed thing makes no difference, I guess. Yes, uh, obviously they've got defence four, which means they die very quickly which is where the 64 models comes in handy. Yeah, yeah, but you do kill stuff, and you were killing dwarves like nobody's business here. And with the six-inch banner from Angbor, that can be three attacks with a spearman, which gives me a pretty good chance of winning, actually. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so with that in mind, you are coming up against a dwarven host, uh, the, the homebrew profile of my own, the Great Smith. Um, what, what did you think? Did you have a plan, and did you fancy your chances at starting the game? Uh, my plan was really to just push up into the centre, try and contest all the middle ones, and perhaps beat you on one flank. Mm-hmm. Um, the one. The f- what do you want? The floors that I've made yet? Or? No, no, not yet, not just yet. No, but that just seemed like a fair plan. You just wanted to go hard into one corner, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but hold, have enough men to hold the other lines and contest, hopefully with one or two men, mm-hmm. so there's no VPs for you. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I and, it, and to be fair, that has absolutely happened. Like you, my left hand side flank crumpled. Uh, the right hand side flank. 
did really well. Um, they just managed to clear out an objective right in the last turn. The centre, meanwhile, was was kind of the the interesting battleground that we were yes. fighting over. That was that was where all of the all of the intrigue happened because largely because I had the king's champion, which took a bit of time to get in combat, but he yes. did eventually get there. The great smith and also the king and the shield bearer doing amazing work. Like the shield bearer heroic combat in pretty much every turn, getting killing consistently one or two, uh, if not more, um, guys. So th- and that I think just the weight of, uh, of of heroes in the center really kind of pushed forward for me. The great smith with. Uh getting a legendary hero off almost um, yes, every time yeah, as he, well. He, he didn't have to spend, I think he only spent one point of might and called endless heroic combats. It yes. was about four, I think I got for I think free. he got five heroic actions in total. Yeah, yeah. So four combats in one move. Yeah, which was which is absolutely nuts. So yeah, that, that, that Smith profile, do you, do, you think he's, do you think he's good? I mean, I, in the previous game, I did absolutely nothing with him and he didn't get any free heroics, but here he did loads of work. I think it was a fairly balanced profile. He wasn't too broken, anything like that. Uh, the creativity of the anvil was... Uh, I mean, it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even get to use the anvil in this game, though, because no. I think the smith was just able to do more work chopping through um, in combat, I think. Maybe, uh, because uh, the problem with, with this list wasn't me trying to kill you. It was, it was winning the fights, wasn't it? If I lost the yes. fight, I knew I'd die. If I won the fights, I might mostly winning, uh, killing them as well. So. Yes, the first turn for me was uh, I rolled a lot of sixes. Yeah. It yeah. killed a lot of dwarves. But after that, my luck kind of plummeted, and yours, well... Yeah, took a turn. It, it definitely, de- definitely turned. And like, I think it's fair to say, um, I, I was getting a bit testy. And um, you feel free to say, yeah, I was, because <laughs> I was, because um, in these games, when like we've, we've had a long day, we've had a long night, and I didn't sleep very well last night. And um, it was actually, it was a really good game, like in terms of strategy and thinking. And I was getting a bit like, oh no, why can't my guys just? Win a fight against a Lamadin and all that sort of stuff. So I was getting I was a, the same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and to be fair, I think you were way more sporting than I was about this because yeah. uh, you you took the uh, took the punches, uh, rolled with the punches a lot better than I did. Um, and that's harder as as you sort of hinted at. As the game developed, the there was one early turn where you killed a load of dwarves, and I think it was somewhere someone in the region of eight. Um, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But then over the preceding turns, you you kind of didn't kill any more, and I killed. Dozens and dozens yes, of Lamadin yeah. guys. So, um, so in the end, I mean, we're being called for the ceremony now. Um, I actually managed to uh, to clear off one of the objectives to get a point for that, and another point for another one, and therefore, I managed to get a win, which is brilliant. Yes. So, one fatal flaw I did make though is I put courage to Blackbeard Vale archers and objectives mm. who both ran. Yeah, and if you hadn't done that, it would have been it would have been a much more, a much closer game. I think yeah. we figured out that there's a few mistakes I made that if I didn't make, that it probably would have been a draw. Yeah, but anyway, right, it's gone, it it's gone silent. It I think they're all listening because we've got the ceremony to go. Let's find out what happens. And we're here with the things, etc. Um, I hope you've all had a good weekend. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, yeah. thank yeah. you. We're all tired, I know. Uh, <laughs> 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 Winning most sporting is Tom James. Very well done. Mm. The best objectives went to Aidan Lummer.
Um, so going on to the podiums then, obviously Longshanks ruins this a little bit, but we'll pretend that we don't know. Um, in third place, we have Harry Parkhill. <laughs> in second place, we have Larry Vickers. <laughs> and in third place, we have Jamie Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> That's my first podium, that. <laughs> Jamie, I'm recording right now, you won. How do you feel winning the fluffy event with your uh, your busted dragon emperor? Oh, yeah. I need to read the rules pack and actually bring a fluffy list. Genuinely, did you have any tricky games? Uh, yeah, the, the the fellowship list I played with Matt Wielding was quite. Uh, yeah. Was quite yeah, he wrote to Rivendell, and he yeah, did really well with a similar list last year as well. Yeah, so obviously the Tom Bombadil just makes things quite hard. Yeah. The um, the ruffians was actually the list that killed the most of my army. Wow. So I got twenty killed by the ruffians. So is there anything, any way to stop the House of the Dragon Emperor? Uh, I don't want to give any secrets away. I'm sorry. Okay, well, there we go. I'm going to go into the podium and get my first ever Entmoot prize. Woo! So there you go. You heard it there. It sort of I, I I decided just to record it all in one sort of flowing piece there because um it was it was such a such a grind at the end. I mean, what a game against Hugo. Um it was it was both tense um and difficult. Hugo was an excellent player. His army was ridiculous, but also really cool and um, really interesting. And it just the just the timings. Uh, we we absolutely the interview went down to the wire. We'd submit our results. Was doing the interview, and everyone wanted to go home. We'd, we were running over a little bit as it was. So so you, that's why it sort of blended there into uh, uh, into what you heard. And we rushed the uh, um, the interview with Jamie. Uh, so props to Jamie. Jamie did manage to to win the event uh, with a host of the Dragon Emperor. I did kind of. I mean I. I it was a tongue-in-cheek interview, and I can only apologise to Jamie for for sort of asking the questions in brief. We did have to go in there. Uh, he had to go off down south really far, and so we didn't have a lot of time anyway, so I thought it'd be quite funny to, to ask him that. But, I mean, props to Jamie. He is a very good player. Um, and as much as I take the piss out of him, he's a good lad. Uh, really enjoyed his company over this weekend. We had lots of good banter um, about various different things. So it was, it was lovely to uh, to see Jamie and, and uh, well done to him um, taking the Dragon Emperor to uh, another successful victory. But it must be said, a 5-1 win. So um, he, he only won five out of his six games. So nobody went 6-0 in this tournament, um, which is why I suspect I ended up on the podium. The first Entmoot podium. Uh, I got four wins, a draw and a loss. Um, and I uh, had a very narrow margin of victory, uh, so uh, it, it was close. But I was I was the third best player. So Jamie Wiggins first, Larry Miller, uh, sorry, no, uh, Larry Vickers second, and uh, me third. At my first ever Entmoot podium. Before I delve into uh, too greedily and too deep into the uh, the third place victory, I just want to reflect on the. The Smith profile. First of all, uh, as you heard there from Hugo, and and I've asked a few people over the weekend about what they think of it. The general consensus is thumbs up. Uh, so Albert and Geordie from Two Towers podcast will be very pleased uh, about that. I, I think it's a great profile. I actually think it's a it's a really difficult thing to write a balanced profile that has flavour, that is interesting, that doesn't feel too overpowered, that has like creative rules, and also kind of fills a new gap in the. Um, in the army list that that it didn't I didn't know that the dwarf army needed a hero like the great smith but as soon as I played it I realized yeah I like it it fits so um yeah really great really great so thanks for that second thing from the challenge of earlier uh was the the fact that um 
we had to keep track of Albert and Geordie's models. So the shield bearer and the uh, the spear, were they able, the vault warden uh, and the, uh, the the spearman, were they able to uh, to get some kills and which one won out the day? And you sort of heard it. I, I, I didn't keep tally in every game. Well, I did keep tally in every game, sorry. But you, I didn't mention it in every game because they were awful <laughs> like i don't know whether it's albert and geordie and obviously i didn't keep a, a track of of the other vault one so i wasn't really paying attention to whether they were doing much damage but generally they didn't do anything for, for like the whole tournament so um but but and it's a big but um the shield bearer which was controlled by albert he got a grand total of five points so as we heard in the interview earlier that um the if if you got i think you got uh, one kill uh, if you sorry shielded away and successfully uh, survived around against the a hero then um then they'd get a point so that was largely where the the points came from so there were a couple of points in the first game a couple of points in the third game and one point uh, in the penultimate game against uh, Suladan uh, Razor and uh, the the Harad Kings and so on against Andy Viney so so a five points to zero zero it was absolutely mad so um uh, uh, there was one chance Geordie had to to get something he he nearly nearly killed um uh, nearly killed uh, Thrandwill uh, against Katie in uh, the sort of penult- uh, the middle game the first game of today um didn't get it did not get it so uh, because uh, basically because the uh, um the 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 uh, the king's champion or stole the uh, stole the kill even i think he could have had a chance but i just forgot to roll them that way around so um i, I think i got like a ridiculous number of wounds with just the first person so uh, so that was that so so yeah good good work to uh, albert and geordie but alas albert the shield bearer managed to win out the the day and help me towards that podium place so onto the podium although i am very proud of it uh, obviously it's a theme event and and i've spoken i spoke hinted about this at the start of the podcast i don't know whether i feel proud of myself um for this victory because uh, not victory a third but still it feels like a victory to me because that last game i'll be completely honest i was a bit of a douchebag and I know that's a big admission, and some of you might think, "No, you, you, you know, you're a you're a nice person. You're you you present the podcast. You make yourself, you know, you do fun things and make bants and have a good laugh with people. And even Hugo sounded fine with it. But it was one of those games where I thought maybe maybe I was a bit I was a bit sort of I don't want to say gamey, but I certainly. Okay, rather than trying to put it into words, I'll explain what happened. At the start of the game, uh, we knew the the, the scenario. Um, we knew uh, how many models uh, I had to kill. So I had to kill the... It was like a domination, wasn't it, with a variant with more uh, objectives, nine objectives. And I knew how many models Hugo had. He had 70-whatever-it-was of those clansmen. Cool army, really cool army. Um, and I, I looked across the field... And I saw my dwarves, and uh, sort of, you know, outnumbered by sort of fifty percent or thereabouts, uh, just over fifty percent. And I thought, I can win this game because they're defence four, and I'm much higher defence than him. But you know what's going to going to need to happen is we're going to need to play this game quickly. And I think if I'd have played played with the spirit of the the tournament this time, um, which is a fluffy event. 
I think if I'd have played with the spirit of going, ah, it's fine, who cares, whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's a, it's a GBHL 80, it's a fluffy event, people come here to have a laugh, um, he's got a cool army, um, Hugo, he was, I don't know how new he is to the game, but he's a, a youngish guy, Hugo, I, d I don't want to age you, but I think around the late late teens, 18, 19, that sort of mark, he's, he's obviously not been playing tournaments too long, he might have even been younger than 18, I, I don't know, but either way, um, he was clearly there to have fun. He'd worn a kilt to the event, um, though he was doing very well in his games. And I wonder whether I, I sort of went, you know what? I do want to win this. And the red mist descended on me. And I, and I then thought, I need to win this, which, of course, is not true. I don't care. I certainly don't care now. I couldn't, I couldn't give a toss if I'd have come third or fourth or fifth or whatever. Uh, whatever would have happened if I lost that last game. But I think at the time it felt really important. So I, I worked out the logic in my head was this game needs to happen quickly because I need to get to him. He needs to get to me. I need to kill him quicker than he kills me. Um, and if I don't have enough turns of me sort of winning the, the majority of the fight or killing stuff, which I knew would take a long time because he had a lot of models, I will not win this game. But I need to make that happen. So what I did... I was, I, I, I said, well, I didn't, I sort of said things like, oh, God, uh, uh, so many models. Oh, God, we know we need to move on and quick. And I was, I was, I think I was setting a pace early on that felt a little unnaturally fast to play this game at. And, you know, I, I made quite a lot of comments saying I was tired, which I was. I was tired and I was hungover and all those things that you find on the last game of a, of a Warhammer tournament if you've had a few drinks the night before. Um, and, and I, I sort of, I was hinting to to Hugo that I think we sh we we need to play this game quickly. And Hugo, bless him, he was sort of saying, he was having a chat and he was doing this and he was moving his models quite slowly and it was taking a long time to decide. And I don't think any of this was deliberate, but I was aware in doing a lot of these things, these things that you know pl newer players maybe he is new, maybe he's not. I don't know. Um, these taking these t the time to do the things that I think a. a, a in fairness i should have let him do I, I i didn't think he was doing it deliberately to slow the game but he was definitely slow slowing down the game and i was aware right just come on just let's just move stuff just move on put your front line in and move everything behind it you know you've got 70 models just do it um and i i, I don't I, th I don't think i came across like a very nice person and i'm going to apologize to hugo now um i'm going to apologize to you on behalf of uh, of sort of the podcast that you're listening to um because i feel a bit bad and I'm, I'm kind of, I regret it a lot. And um, I, it's, it's been turn, turning over in my head um, for the last few days while I was, um, uh, while I was uh, thinking about recording this, uh, this bit of the podcast. And I do feel bad. And I don't think I should, and maybe I shouldn't feel bad. But I also know I shouldn't, I shouldn't win by, by encouraging people to play faster. I shouldn't encourage uh, a win by uh, doing dodgy measuring. Um, I, I didn't do that. But, you know, I think those are the sort... I, I should give people the benefit of the doubt on this sort of stuff. And I, I think maybe in this game I was, I was a, bit, a bit too keen to win. And, and it resulted in a probably a worse experience for my opponent, Hugo. Um, so, for instance, there was a moment... I put a measure, measuring stick, so there was a gap between him being able to threaten an objective and my dwarf that was sat on said objectives. And, and we measured, we were sort of saying, so do you think he's in range currently to be contesting that objective? Because that meant the difference between a one or a zero VP. Um, and 
And I, I looked at it and I thought, I don't think he's in range there. We measured it and it was very close. And he measured it with a widget holding it above the thing, uh, above the uh, the two models. And I and, and he said, well, I think it's probably in. I was like, I, I just don't think it is. So I put the widget down on the floor. It's got a three-inch edge. And um, I pushed it in the gap. And it and it shimmied the models a bit. And I thought that it was it was out anyway, but it definitely not the models because I was I was not being very precise with my movement. Um, and I sort of said, and he sort of said, ah, oh, well, you've not the models now. And I was like, yeah, I did, I did, didn't. I'm sorry, but I still think it was out. And in to his credit, Hugo said, okay, fine, let's yeah, that's fine, let's move on. But I think really what I, what I should have said was, you know what, I knocked the models. There's no way of knowing. Credit, it you were in three. It's fine. Um, I think it, it, the the few seconds later or the next moment, I can't remember what I did, but we did end up. Um, he did end up being able to get someone or something, and I I gave him the the benefit of the doubt on that thing. I said, "Oh, you're fine. You can definitely get someone in that gap because you have." I don't think he'd measured it right. I, I, whatever it was, anyway, uh, he he did end up getting someone in that gap, which I was happy about. And then I shoved him off the objective in a fair fight, which was crucial. But I think that sort of thing. Where you knock something and and you go, you know what reality reality is? I didn't know whether it was within three inches or not, and I had knocked it. I should have given the benefit of doubt to him. I, I sort of and I felt guilty about it at the time. As soon as I'd said it, he he clearly looked disappointed and sort of like he'd been um, uh, like he'd been cheated or hard done by. And I and I saw it in his face, and I saw him thinking he's not that, and he's just diddled me out of that VP, and I felt awful. So um, I was glad to be able to knock it back in the next next um, or the rest of the phase. I can't remember exactly what what happened uh, to allow him to get into the within the objective, uh, but it definitely happened. So I sort of erased the um, uh, erased the, uh, the the bad the badness there. I think I got my karma back. I hope. Um, but either way, all of this stuff. I, I guess this is what I was talking about earlier on in the podcast. Was all of this basically amounts to me thinking, as I'm getting slightly better at the game. Am I now becoming a worse person to play? Is it becoming less pleasant for my opponents? These sorts of things are really, really weighing heavily on me, and um, I don't, I don't like it. I don't. I want to win events, of course. I want to do do well in the game, and I really want to enjoy the game as well. And I'm starting to worry that by trying to win, I'm not enjoying it as much, or I'm I'm getting a bit more frustrated with people, or or the not not necessarily the people, but with with the game so it's a real a real conundrum and you can probably sense i've been rabbiting on for 10 minutes here that this this genuinely is is unnerving me unsettling me and i've got a competitive event coming up soon this will be the last competitive event of the season and i, I would quite happily be fluff-tastic in this event but it's a team event so there's six of us lot from lincolnshire uh, the yellow bellies uh, not the yellow bellies, the fella bellies, um, because we're the Fellowship of the Ring from Lincolnshire. Lincolnshire people are nicknamed yellow bellies, so we're the fella bellies, and we're going to an, a team event. And I don't want to let my team down by, you know, playing rubbish and being fluffy and crap. And, and crap. But equally, I don't want to have a horrible time by by uh, making myself feel bad for being. I don't want to say gamey because I don't think I'm being gamey. I'm just not being really generous in the way that perhaps I would have done a while ago. And, yeah, I wonder if, have you felt that? Have you ever been in that position where you felt, you know what, maybe I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done that for the sake of winning a toy soldiers game 
and, and making that person feel a little sad. I want to know. I want your confessions in the next podcast. You can send them anonymously. Happily do that. Because I don't, I don't really care. But I want to know that I'm not alone in having thought this. Otherwise, I'll feel really, really guilty. So there you go. That's the slightly depressing note to end this uh, uh, episode on. Have you ever felt guilty while playing SBG or even any other kind of game? I want your confessions of a tabletop gamer. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Sorry to take the shine off the only Entmoot podium I've ever had. Ever. But hey. Let's try a podium and not feel guilty about it, hey? All right. That's the end of the podcast. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com for your gamers' confessions. In the meantime, we'll be back in not too long for the uh, GBHL team event. And, of course, don't forget about the competition to win the Yuletide SBG magazine. It's, it's an awesome magazine. You'll absolutely love it. See what I did there? You'll absolutely love it. And I uh, can't wait to give you one. So get in touch, gmail.com for the, the all of the above, all of the above. The riddle in the dark is at the end of the podcast. In the meantime, boorum.